world. <laughs> okay, there we go. Gentlemen, welcome to episode number 69 of the Whatever Show, and since I'm a grown-up, I'm going to let that one pass. I'm not. <laughs> Go 69, for it. 69, dude. <laughs> dude. Um, we've got so much news for you this week. We have the Flash movie. We're going to talk about the Flash movie, because that's still a thing that's happening. Sort um, of. <laughs> yeah. We got a little news from DCTV from a show called Powerless, uh, which we'll probably watch, and I don't actually think I remember what this is about, so th- that'll be fun. Star Wars Episode 8 gets a title, which we're going to talk about on this episode. New TV this week, Supergirl, The Flash, Legends, Arrow. I read a whole bunch of comics, and Matt's already read them, so we're going to talk about all-new Wolverine and Old Man Logan, and we're going to finish up with a Royal Rumble pay-per-view. That is all coming after you right after this. And you guessed it, since we're talking about a pay-per-view, joining us this week, Brian Bailey. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's been a while. It has. All right, let's get down. Okay, so what is the first thing? Because I don't, I got nothing on this one. So the first thing in the show notes uh, is All right. cryptic. So um, since we're electing supervillains to public office, might as well. Um, I decided that I would throw in a little tidbit about uh, the difference between Lex Luthor and Donald Trump as president. Anybody have any guesses as to what the biggest difference is? I mean, Lex has better hair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, skin tone is better. Basically, they have the same hair. It's he, just he that seems slightly Lex more stopped pretending a long time ago. He he seems slightly more human. Um, yeah. So I'll give you guys those. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, Donald Trump, officially the president, first week has basically alienated three quarters of the world. Yeah, literally half the country. Um, he's got his lowest approval rating uh, for any incumbent president so far within the first week. He did in nine days what Bush took three years to do. Yeah, and, and and Bush was impressively low. So that's that's just well done, Mr. Trump. Yeah. It turns out he can bring out big crowds. Uh, the problem is they're just protesting his actions. Uh, so his idea of um, fighting climate change is to basically battle the environment as though it's his arch nemesis. It, it does seem that way. I kind of get the feeling like he's setting up for like a final boss battle in which he just burns carbon at, at every opportunity. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't like Muslims. At least at least not Muslims from countries that he has no business okay. ties to. But yeah, I read on Facebook that we should not be calling this a Muslim ban because somehow banning a bunch of countries uh, uh, that have primarily Muslim people is not a Muslim ban. And that they that he's giving preferential treatment to Christians is also somehow not a Muslim, but band. not from those countries. Yeah, I see that. I don't. I, I still tomato tomato maybe a little. Right. I don't know. So, um, we have somebody who is embracing fossil fuels and all their all their goodness, as well as alienating himself from you know a good third of the world's population, uh, just with banning immigrants from some countries and you know not even immigrants legal green card holders people who have already yep. lived although in this that's changed as of years. today oh really assuming as of, as of today that's no oh, no no that was never part of the context assuming that he actually uh holds up to what what a federal judge has already ordered which is you can't do that they're already legal yeah yeah um so here's the biggest difference lex luther his first act as president was to basically put a moratorium on the use of fossil fuels and convert over to sources of clean energy see lex fucking luther like yeah Lex Luthor now, I'm understands not, climate change. I'm not saying that he doesn't probably have business ties to the clean energy sources that he's pushing, because I'm sure he does. See, but 
it wasn't necessarily bad for the world. See, it depends on which Lex you're pushing, because there's obviously been various incarnations of Lex Luthor and what his aims and stuff like that are. But especially in the most recent incarnations, uh, Lex has been generally a guy with uh, uh, good motives well, or sort of, you know, understandable motives uh, who, who just believe that the means justify the ends all the time. So, like, yeah, he which is mid- how a lot of people are trying to portray Mr. Trump. Except for not. Except for, yeah, he's kind yeah. of scary. He, he, they're trying to justify the ends with the means and all that kind of good stuff. Except for even the ends are pretty bad, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. if the end is a 120% white Christian population, then, yeah, I mean, sure, he's probably doing what you want him to do. Yeah, with but, no polar ice caps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs those? <laughs> yeah, they're just, I mean, our oceans aren't deep enough already, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Personally, I would like if I had to walk to work in four inches of water every here's, single here's day. Here's the thing. We know he doesn't like California. He's literally trying to sink it. I that's, think that's, that's the plan. <laughs> the, this, his alternate plan actually was to blow up the San Andreas Fault, uh, which may or may not have been t- uh, uh, the the plot to the next Triple X movie. Which he, I think he stole from Lex Luthor. Probably. I think, that, probably. I think that's like Superman 1. That's probably the last comic book movie he saw in the theater. So Yeah. Bl- <laughs> blow up the San Andreas Fault. All right. Um, anyway, that's the difference between Lex Luthor and Donald Trump, people. Yeah. Lex Luthor, better choice to vote for, just yeah. so we're clear. All right, DC. Let's talk some more DC news, actually, or move on to DC. And that, our first piece of news is from Collider, and it tells us that uh, the Flash movie, uh, starring Ezra Miller, is getting a script rewrite. Not just a script rewrite. As, a as page Bailey put it, one rewrite. A page one rewrite. Completely threw the shit out and started rewriting this thing again. Okay, so I feel like, in fairness, or I have to be fair on this, and we've already talked about this a little bit when we were talking about reshoots and shit like that for Rogue One, and we want there to be a good movie. I'm a Obviously. little, I'm a little concerned yeah. that we're this far along in the process, and now we're just figuring out script because you know script seems like it should be something that's done it a is. long time ago. It is, and that's my biggest concern. Is but I am glad that they at least have the balls to say no, this isn't working, and throw it out and start over. Okay, I agree with that. Here's here's the caveat to that though. We've already been through two directors, and as of yet, I don't mm-hmm. think we have a director. We and don't. Now we're rewriting the script from page one. Yeah, it sounds like a clusterfuck. Like this is a little bit different than rewrites or reshoots. This this is not like the team going. I don't know if this works. This is like a rudderless ship uh, running directly into the iceberg because nobody's steering the fucking boat. And and I feel bad for Ezra Miller because even though he's not my number one choice to play Barry Allen, and I haven't been impressed thus far with what i've seen from him i mean him. he might, might be my like my number 37 this is this is still kind of a vehicle for him and he's watching it kind of sink i mean it's again we want the movie to be good we do of course I mean, you're not gonna find bigger flash fanboys well i mean you will because we've we've got our own ships to to sail but um we're, we're pretty big fans uh, yeah. obviously we're watching the flash every week on tv we talk about it every week religiously um obviously this this should be exactly the type of thing that's right up our alley um, so yeah, it's a little sad watching it seemingly implode from the outside. Um, and it could be, could be everything's fine. Everything's all hunky dory. And the, the last two directors just weren't a good fit and they decided the script isn't going to work, but from the outside, <clears throat> it just kind of looks like it's imploding. Yeah. I yeah. doubt it. Cause I mean, a lot of people think that the, everybody complains about the Edgar Wright thing being like, Oh, well, Marvel had this mistake with Edgar Wright and then jumping ship. Yeah, they did. But they came back from it. They changed a couple things on the script, got a new director, and it was good. And it came out fantastic. This is page one rewrite, no director. See, that's the difference between Marvel and DC at this point is when uh, shit goes down in Marvel, I trust that they're still going to make a good movie. Because when it comes to Marvel, the, the, the movie quality... It is really driven more by Marvel than it is any one specific director. I, so I, I feel like Marvel has a plan. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Like, 
who was it that just recently said that was in a Marvel movie that also the Spider-Man oh, too? Um, Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, the villain Vulture. What's his name? Oh, uh, Keaton. Uh, Keaton. 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 Yeah, Michael Keaton. He said, working with Marvel, man, they're just like a fine oiled machine that's just going. Everything right. was organized. Everything was pumping they're, out. They don't leave things to chance. No, they that's, don't. And at this point, they have a pretty uh, credible track record. And um, you can tell that Marvel is the thing that's really driving the quality of the movies so much uh, less than, you know, a one-off director. Like, obviously, Nolan did amazing things with the Dark Knight trilogy, um, but DC really hasn't hit its stride with anything else yet. Well, um, in the, in because that was all trilogy, basically letting, you know, Nolan go do his thing rather than DC do its thing. The Dark Knight trilogy wasn't really a comic book franchise though that's kind of no. the thing is like this is what would happen if we really had a batman kind of it kind of wasn't it kind of wasn't i mean um they did go a little bit similar to some stories we've already read and heard like uh year one for example there was yeah. a lot of inspiration drawn from year one obviously lots of inspiration drawn from the long halloween um so i mean they, they obviously were adapting a comic book work but it was a far different movie than anything we've seen out of marvel because they really did try to stick to just like you said what would batman look like in the real world rather than what does a batman superhero movie look like um you know so that's quite a different thing but the thing there is nolan is what made the movies good nothing to do necessarily with dc the only thing that you can really credit dc for in that particular instance is just getting the fuck out of the way um, and so I, with Marvel, it's kind of the opposite. I don't really care who's attached to the movie as far as directors or writers go, <clears throat> because I know that Marvel's not going to put shit out the door at this point. Yes and no. no. I don't know that Guardians is Guardians without James Gunn. Yeah, I guess you, you kind of got a point there, but I, I, but I you know, see, that's, if, that's yeah. the exception to the rule within the Marvel universe though, is Guardians is, is one of, it's, it's that property. It's the wild card that nobody saw coming. Uh, you know, but even if Gunn so, left the project, I, I think that would be bad, but I don't necessarily think that it would be, uh, um, it wouldn't be nearly it, as yeah, scary as when, when, when Flash or, or when a DC property turns over a director. And I think, yeah. I think this might have an, a, a thing with Kevin Feige is DC doesn't have a guy like Kevin Feige that well, is controlling all aspects of this situation. We, we've been talking about this a lot over the last few weeks, and we're really hoping that guy turns out to be Jeff Johns, um, because I do think that's one of the big differences between DC and Marvel, is that uh, Marvel has Kevin Feige, and Feige is really driving the movie properties in particular, uh, and DC, like you said, hasn't really had that, but I think now that Johns is getting on board, uh, I think we're seeing more of that cohesiveness, because you know it's all actually coming through some sort of a um you know a filter that filters out you know the correct vision for dc to move down so yeah i kind of honestly believe that justice league uh is gonna be well i don't want to say maybe the flash is gonna be kind of the the end of phase one of dc where we have been really hit or miss with things i'm really hoping wonder woman knocks just knocks everything out of the park and and kind of breathes new life into it but really like we talked about last week, The Rock in his role um, as Black Adam and and probably doing a Black Adam solo movie before we ever even do Shazam. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be really good for the franchise. Obviously, I think Green Lantern Corps, if they do it right, and, and if, if they hold to what they say with Believe. the buddy cop movie yeah. uh, thing, I think that's going to help a lot. And really, again, like, like Ryan said, and like you said, having somebody who's just the guy who's looking at things going you know what this doesn't have the feeling we're looking for it doesn't feel like it's a cohesive thing and having that person be jeff johns i think is probably the right way as long as warner brothers actually lets him be jeff johns and determine what feels dc and what doesn't because i mean we're talking about a guy who was simultaneously writing green lantern aquaman and justice league 
at the same time when the new 52 launched. Like he was writing three titles a month. Well, yeah, <laughs> so. you, you know, you, you kind of hit on something there. That's I think the bigger thing you said, you know, letting Jeff Johns be the guy who decides what feels DC and what doesn't. That's the biggest thing. They need to decide what is DC is supposed to feel like. Like we know comic book readers. We know what we're looking for. I think um, one of the things that I think is very different from DC characters compared to Marvel characters is that DC characters are in practicality Greek legends. They're gods. They're, they are mm-hmm. over the top sort of. um uh, uh, characters when compared to Marvel's who even, you know, Marvel's more powerful characters feel a lot more down to earth than even the lower power DC characters, um, which is, you know, you know, the opposite of the two. And maybe one, one reason why I like reading, you know, Marvel comics for certain things. And I like reading DC comics for a certain thing. Um, but so far DC hasn't hit that right. Yeah. Um, well, so I want to get them, I want them to see them get a good balance of what makes their comics really good and what shows up on screen really well, because so far they haven't hit that. And and you're right about that too, because I mean, obviously, we know that if somebody's caught in a gamma explosion, like they're they're most likely dead. But then there's always the, well, what if they did live though? And that's where you have the the Incredible Hulk storyline, and yeah. it's not practical. But obviously, like Tony Stark is a very real type person. I think that was one of the genius pieces um, that well, they that they hit, like with Favreau pushing for RDJ uh, RDJ. Because really, he is Tony Stark, and like in his real life, you know what I mean. Other as than much the, as he's not an inventor, Ryan Reynolds but like is dead his, cool. yeah. That's that's a kind of a big key difference between Marvel and DC. Like, look at Marvel characters. The Hulk uh, gained his powers after an accident. Spider Man gained his powers after a, a quasi accident. Uh, Tony Stark gained his you know quote unquote powers really didn't um, you know after creating them himself. These are all things that are um, basically not uh, uh, who, what makes them a person. Whereas you know you switch over to the DC roster: Superman, uh, alien from a you know Krypton, mm-hmm. uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, Greek goddess from uh, uh, Thermoscara. Things uh, tend to be a little bit more fantastic in that world, like Themyscira, Green Lanterns, yeah. like they're space cops. Green, yeah, Green Lanterns. I guess they they get their powers a little bit different, but or they they actually gain their powers a little bit more. Um, but you know, can go through the ranks. Aquaman, uh, King of Atlantis, uh, natural born, you know, Atlantean, Atlantean. Uh, all of those type of characters really change. Um, you know, compared to what Marvel is, Marvel usually has a down-to-earth character or person who gains their powers through some accident of fate or whatever. Whereas DC's characters are all basically larger than life at birth. Um, I mean, Marvel's got mutants, of course, which are born that way. But I mean, it's it's and still. Then, but look at what they're pushing. Yeah. Like it's genetically. Even what they're pushing now, though, in humans, you know. uh, in humans are all you know characters that gain their powers, uh, well into their regular life. So yeah. Um. So, anyway, yeah. DC, get your shit together. Uh, so we really want you to do well. Uh, uh, you mentioned before we went on the air about Ben Affleck confirming that he is in fact directing. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole piece. Uh, but yeah, there, we'll, we'll have a piece in the show notes or a link in the show notes. Uh, ben Affleck does confirm he is directing the Batman well, or the goddamn Batman as we're calling it here at the Whatever Show. That's good news because that means the script passed muster because that was kind of what he was like the staunchest on was if the script didn't meet his approval then he wasn't directing well i mean he's like co-writing the script i think so um yeah. i think him and jeff johns are, are working pretty heavily that's, on, that's the, the on the batman yeah. script so um obviously you know i guess they were going to keep working on it until it was right is the thing but his, you know his I, gangster I, movie kind of failed a lot it did which isn't his movie i mean I, he's in it but like he's not he didn't write it so. or direct it yeah um I kind of feel like he's getting the Gili treatment again. So this is one of those things where he's, I it's, think that was kind of why he made a statement previously about how he might not direct it if the script didn't. Yeah. Be what he thought was the standard. 
you know, I think the thing for Ben is he's he's a really great actor, great director, but I don't always think he's the best at picking projects. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, plus you know what? Let's let's face it too. Like Matt Damon's probably the one that gets compared to most when you're talking about Ben Affleck. Matt Damon's picked some shit projects too, so. He just uh, maybe not so frequently as as Ben, but uh, yeah, he I seems to get anything less... he's been in that's been like Matt Damon horrible, other than like favors that he does for friends. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I mean, Rounders wasn't great. Rounders is fucking awesome. I like Rounders. Don't get me wrong, but it, it's not a great movie. <laughs> Except for fucking Malkovich's shit ass fucking Russian accent. <laughs> like, that. yeah, that was just funny. Pay him his money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Malkovich, perfect. Um, but anyway, uh, Ben Ben is going to be directing the Batman, which I, I find encouraging because I do think actually maybe somewhat controversial, but Ben is a better director than he is an actor, and he's a pretty good actor. <clears throat> Didn't he win an award? You had to go all the way back to Rounders to find a movie that was a little subpar for Matt Damon. Yeah, well, I'm just saying. No, but uh, I mean, Ali- but, but Ben, Elysium? Ben. I didn't really like Elysium. Yeah, nobody did. Elysium was really a writing problem. I, I mean, it's the that's the problem though. That, I mean, that movie got a little preachy. Was its issue? Yeah. Matt, Matt, and Ben both are um, super, super talented actors. I think the difference is Matt just tends to pick better movies. Like Ben's been some, you know, like Paycheck, which I'm pretty sure Ben, uh, Ben just did for the Paycheck. Um, otherwise, paycheck? shit movie. Paycheck. Yeah, yeah. you saw that. Um, Reindeer Games. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, Reindeer Games is always going to be like a nine out of ten for me, just because of Charlene Theron being. You know, Re- Reindeer Games Charlie is always going to be a nine, ten, 9 out of 10 for me just because we get that Reindeer Games joke. And uh, uh, boobs, dude. We get Charlie's Theron's boobs. That's true. That's true. But uh, I think it's in uh, Jay and Silent Bob. And Gary Sinise acting sinister? Come on. Gary Sinise should always act sinister. It's practically his name. I I that's, I that's think that's why that, that CSI show that he was in didn't do that well because they're like, well, you're not a bad guy, so what's going on? Yeah, fuck this. <laughs> We're out. Um so anyway, we're I'm still super excited for the Batman. This, the Batman is the one thing about um, Batman versus Superman I think that I unequivocally liked, and I'm uh, totally stoked for it. Yeah. I honestly think there's a lot of naysayers out there that are gonna not be able to say nay after it's done. I mean, as That's long as prediction. as long as they kind of keep the Joker out of the movie, I think we're golden. I think you have to. I I, I think you have keep 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 Deathstroke in it. Keep it keep it what you want it. Yeah, I mean, de- a Deathstroke movie I think would be badass too. Uh, well, isn't Deathstroke his villain in this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, who better to go against him right now for first movie? Well, the thing that's fun about doing I, Deathstroke, I've heard there's going to be multiple villains in it though, but Deathstroke is going to be oh, like God. the be all end all. The the cool thing about doing a Deathstroke movie in Batman Two is it really is a good way to showcase the kind of Batman that this one is, which is a brutal fucking fighter. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I cannot wait. Um, if if they get anything right about this, I think it's probably going to be any sort of fight between uh, Batman and Deathstroke, and this that movie is so exciting for me. Has Deathstroke in it, and it doesn't end with Affleck basically holding Deathstroke's prone body in one hand after he's done beating the fuck out of him. I don't know how you do it. I yeah, I, I don't know either. Does anybody know who's doing the action sequences for the or like choreography for the fights? No, Damn no. It. They need to get people from the raid. You know. This, that this would is, be dope. Again, one thing that didn't disappoint Hire anybody me. that worked on Daredevil. That would be fine. Yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> it, it also wouldn't disappoint me even if they got the guys who did Batman versus Superman because the one thing that they did not get wrong on that was the Batman fight. Yeah, that was a good fight. Yeah. The thing that they did get wrong on that was there was like one Batman fight and then one five-second scene of a Batman fight, yeah. pretty much. And then, uh, why did you say that name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Martha. 
I, you know, it just sounds like it sounds like a couple of teenagers getting high, and, and they're just like, "Dude, Superman's name is the same name as Batman's name, uh, ba- Batman's mom's name." <laughs> You're like, "Whoa, that's true, man. That's so weird, dude. Dude, let's make a movie out of that." Yeah. All right. Just lay, lay off the weed, maybe Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, it makes for better movies. All right. Uh, so we got a new show coming out. Yeah, tell me about it, because I, I don't think I know much about it's, this, or at it, least I've forgotten about what I do know about this. All right, so it's powerless. It's set in the DC universe. Um, I don't think it's going to be set in the CW-verse. I don't think we're going to see anybody that we've ever seen in it before. There's there's little to no chance that we're actually going to see superheroes in this movie, other than like weird visual effects that are slightly off camera. Okay. Um Basically, this is uh, an Alan Tudyk uh, TV show, which I'm not upset about at all because that guy needs more shows. Yeah. Uh, Alan Tudyk, if you don't know him from uh, Firefly, Firefly, uh, he played Wash, Wash, of course. Um, More recently, you probably saw him or heard him at least as K2SO in Rogue One. Indeed. Um, He was the voice of K2SO and actually did the mocap, I think, for that. So um, you got to see him sort of in that. If Um, you're a fan of the raunch comedy genre, he was Sam the Pirate. And dodgeball. Yeah. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yep. And uh, the other big thing that you might know him. Well, semi-big thing is With he's Tyler got Levine. his own. Tyler Levine needs more roles these days, too. Yeah, Tyler Levine's really good. And it's kind of sad he's not in more stuff. Um, he also did the show called Con Man, which was a um, not it's a Patreon. web series, was it not? Yeah, it's not a Patreon thing. It's a... Uh, one of, it's something like that i can't remember what the fuck it's actually called but it, it was, was a sort crowdfunded. of yeah crowdfunded thing that he did um and actually fillion was part of that too and that was pretty good yeah i like yeah, it i haven't watched it but i mean that's because i'm a little slow on for it's weird i'm an it guy yeah i don't keep up on web, ser- web series at all that's like, funny <laughs> I think, almost think that'd be your bread and butter but yeah um it, th- that's the thing it's a little bit harder to get at stuff like con man because you kind of have to go seek it out a little bit yeah um it's like uh, Hamill's new series too, with the, uh, where he like goes around and talks to collectors of various items and whatnot. Yeah, it's on the I don't remember what it's. It's a Amazon network. You have to pay to subscribe to it. But oh, weird. Yeah, as in not like Prime. Like you don't right. just get it with Prime. Yeah, that's fucking weird. Yeah, kind of. Why would why did you do that? Well, it's because it's Hamill, and they can probably. I mean, because Hamill can sell tickets, obviously, or sell right. sell subscriptions. But yeah, it's still strange. All right, so Powerless. Um, it's on a, a show channel thing that we can't remember. I think it's ABC. ABC? No, not ABC. No. Probably not ABC Why because be they got ABC? Marvel. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, uh, I don't remember. It's NBC or CBS, one of the two. Okay. I don't remember. So anyway, Powerless. CBS sounds... NBC seems more likely to me, at least, because I think they've done a little bit of shit with uh, um, them already. Like, Constantine, for example, was NBC. Yeah, well, Supergirl um, was CBS, and they're oh, that's all a good point too. the same group. Good, but good I think, point, I think you're probably right. I don't so, remember. Solid, solid. Anyway. We don't know what we're talking about. Don't. We don't. So tell me about the show, then, because I think that, at least, you know. So the premise of the show is basically um, about a company that is responsible for cleaning up after superhero battles, whatnot, trying to keep the public safe from superhero battles. Um, oddly enough, the company is run by uh, Mr. Wayne. And when I say Mr. Wayne, I mean Van Wayne, cousin of Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Now I remember this thing. Okay, um, so that's interesting because they also did a, a very similar, um, they had a very similar uh, pilot that didn't get for picked Marvel. up. For Marvel. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. Heroes but it was for Hire. Heroes for Hire. Yep. But it was a similar sort of like cleanup crew after, you know, like what happens in New York after the events of Avengers and you, you got these guys who have to come clean all that shit up. So yeah. um, interesting to see how this one will go, I think, because obviously I didn't pick up that one. I think um, it's going to be very uh, a very office type comedy with a lot of it from what I've seen in the previews is uh, 
people and trying to invent things that are supposed to be for the betterment of mankind, but usually don't work and shit like that. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I think I think Tudyk's gonna kill it in this role. It, it's at least worth checking out a pilot for for sure. Like, um, for one, I, I, I at this point I think Tudyk's got enough uh, um, fan favoritism for me that I'll probably check out stuff he's in just because he's in it. Um, but for two, I, I, it's an interesting premise, and we don't really have a lot of comedy in this sort of genre so that that'll be interesting too no i think it's gonna be kind of a fun escape it, my assumption is that this is gonna be not an hour-long show but a half hour type deal <clears throat> sitcom yeah i could see more, that more geared toward that kind of thing so um so yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna check it out at least probably um i also this is not dc related but cw also launched riverdale this week which is actually set in the archie comics universe and I have yet to watch it, but I did DVR it so that I may be able to catch up on it. You know, it's weird. I want to check this out because one of the things that I keep hearing is that Archie comics are actually really good right now. They're super dark right now. Like they, they kind of brought them back with a super like, uh, sense of urgency and realism. I've not read the comic books, but I've heard a lot of people that have that said that these are not your grandma's Archie comics. That's what I've heard too. Mm. Um, which is kind of interesting because, um, that's one of those things that I would, I, I kind of have a hard time seeing how you'd adapt for the modern age. Um, so, you know, at one point, some point when I'm out of stuff to read, I should probably check that out. But, um, Riverdale at least, I'll probably watch the pilot. Also, um, we have either Zach or Cody of the Sweet Life of, and I don't remember which one it is that's playing Jughead. <laughs> that's so, funny. Yeah. It could be, be either. Interesting. Yeah. They just tag in. No, actually, those are twins that don't look like twins anymore, I think. No, I don't think they do. Or they yeah. they look different enough you can tell them apart. I have no idea. It's my, like a, my Mary Kate and Ashley, of, one of them was uh, bulimic or whatever. My kids are of the age where Sweet Life was actually on, and you could kind of tell the difference then because one of them was significantly like, I don't want to say chubby because that's mean to say about a kid, even though they're adults now. But yeah. I still don't like to be a dick, but one of them was a little bit heavier looking than the other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was all like 10 or 15 years ago at this point, so I'm sure they're probably not too offended by it. Yeah. 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 So that happened this week. Um, another new show that's going to lead us into the Marvel segment is we have Legion coming out uh, next week. Yeah, this is a show I'm pretty excited about. Uh, number one, we get some X-Men goodness on TV, even if only tangentially, uh, which is still really exciting in either case. Um, you know, if not X-Men, then certainly mutants. Like we yeah. definitely have got, uh, uh, mutants in, in Legion. So uh, we've talked about on that, that on our previous episode and I can't remember which, but, um, I don't know, go find that episode. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited for the show. Yeah. We don't know much about it other than it's about Legion. Yeah, it, it it does look, um, you know, it's kind of interesting because where the movie properties for Marvel tend to be lighter, um, you know, like Guardians and uh, um, Avengers and all that stuff tend to be lighter, big superhero they're very affair. very popcorn-y type yeah. movies and whatnot. Uh, their TV properties aren't really so far, with the exception of Agents. Agents kind of follows along a little bit more with the movie feeling, um, but their uh, TV properties, especially on Netflix, it does a yeah, little does. bit, but when you start looking at the Netflix properties... Um, Oh yeah, it's not that great. Oh, no, no, uh, not not at all. Not even close. And I think Legion is going to follow along a little bit closer to the the tone and and feeling that um, that the Netflix does rather than the movies. So that's also super interesting because I think that's working really well for them right now. Dude, it would be super cool if Marvel and Fox could get out of their own asses long enough to not. They don't have to collaborate on this project, but like they could at least kind of allude to the fact that they're in similar environments or something like that uh, just any sort of nod whatsoever deadpool already did it with the crashed helicarriers 
Yeah, that was funny. So, I the, mean, the, why not? The Crash Telecarriers was pretty awesome. Um, and, and, I don't know. Deadpool did a lot of good stuff as far as, you know, references and things like that. Um, but I'd like to see more of that, too. Like, they don't I necessarily even, have to line it up perfectly. I would even love but, to say, like, after Hugh Jackman retires from Logan, after, say, even he's in cameo in Deadpool 2, whatever, he, you just, you don't, you don't see him as Wolverine, but you see maybe Hugh Jackman walking around, like, a street or has a line Dude, in it, it would an Avengers be, movie of some kind and says something to somebody. It would actually kind of be amazing, now that you mention it, if we had Hugh Jackman not as Wolverine in Deadpool 2, but Hugh Jackman as Hugh Jackman. You know, especially because we got that nod at the end of <laughs> at Deadpool where he's wearing the Hugh Jackman mask on his face. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the man you remember under this mask. Or yeah. this one. <laughs> uh <laughs> so that's a good segue because we have some Deadpool news as well. Yes, uh, coming to Deadpool two in a theater near you uh, is our two of our favorite X Men, and that is uh, Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead. They'll both re- be returning for Deadpool two, which is awesome because I cannot wait for more broody staring and, and more you know feel good uh, metal man. Uh, telling Deadpool how to be a good guy. I really feel like the relationship between Deadpool and Negasonic Teenage Warhead is it, there's there's more to explore there. There oh, is. There's it's a lot. So funny. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I, I think we talked about this on the last show, but I just rewatched Deadpool in like the last week or so, and th- those scenes actually were some some of the ones that didn't quite land for me the first time I watched it, but now rewatching it, just so watching funny. him try and communicate with a broody teenager, so funny. Uh, <laughs> when like when they're at the penultimate battle and, and she's you know whatever she's texting on she's her phone tweeting yeah. yeah and and deadpool's all talking to her you know what, what are you doing there you gotta finish that tweet okay it's fine we'll wait we'll wait no problem and, and she totally does i love yeah. that love that perfect yeah um man i i'm really good things good things are happening for deadpool i think um we it wouldn't be we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the oscar snub though yeah. Oh yeah. I cannot believe the Oscars of all people did not nominate Deadpool for anything. We actually went out on a limb last week and I believe I mean it was my best picture pick, let's I, be honest. I believe it was me that made the statement of if the world can give us Donald Trump as a president, why can't we get Deadpool as best picture? Yeah. I mean Fair. I just don't see why you know anyway uh, it's kind of funny because i do think that there were some things like um it doesn't seem like one of those movies that would get a nomination from the oscars and i think that's probably why it didn't but which is kind of sad because there are lots of reasons that i think you could have nominated it um writing for one yeah screenplay. really well done screenplay in in deadpool really well done uh direction i think was probably another one that was pretty super solid um you know i don't know if there's anything concerning budget but what they were able to achieve with deadpool on the budget that they had was pretty remarkable as well adapted property yeah adapted property certainly um i don't know it, it would have been funny effects even honestly because i mean there was some it would have been funny yeah <laughs> it'd have been really funny if they had nominated uh, ryan reynolds for best actor or something like that that w- really wasn't going to happen that's probably the one that's farthest out on the limb just because we had that joke in deadpool where he's like they got ryan reynolds well they didn't get him for his acting ability <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i know of at least two academy voters though that that would have nominated this movie so i don't know who the other guys are but you all fucked up i mean yeah yeah that would be of course mark Bernardin and uh kevin smith yeah they they i could totally see them nominated. kevin smith vote in the oscars anyway that's awesome actually he's a filmmaker i mean he's earned it like that's kind of what they do but yeah i i want the screeners man yeah like listening to those two talk about like the screeners that they have for like rogue one and 
other things. I'm just like, really? Isn't it upsetting? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's upsetting. Like, even though I really like those guys and honestly don't want them to go fuck themselves, but still. I kind of do, unless they send me some screeners as well. Well, I want the Academy to send us screeners because we're important. We we are important. I wish I wish people... If Mr. Rogers would hear, was here, he would tell you you're special and you're important too. Well, I just feel like our podcast probably is where people go for entertainment news and whatnot. I feel like if we were talking about our podcast, we would be talking about that like one small niche TV show that like about three people watch, but has critical acclaim. Yeah. So yeah. Firefly. Yeah, we're yeah, Firefly. Exactly. <laughs> we are the Firefly of the podcast world. You heard it here, folks. Uh, right. And we said it, so you got to trust us because that's apparently a thing that exists now. Alternate facts. All right, Wash. Set course for a galaxy far, far away. Go ahead, caller. <laughs> uh next up on the docket uh let's talk about star wars uh because why shouldn't we let's always talk about well, star wars I just segue this into it yeah it was I a mean, beautiful segue be well done um episode eight uh episode eight which is coming out later this year december we've gotten our first piece of news from our first real big piece of news from and that is the title uh anybody want to give it away want to do it go the for first it. jedi Nope. The Last Jedi. Oh yeah, The Last Jedi. Never mind. Way the off. First so, Jedi. They were like, which, we're going back to the Old Republic. No. Close. Which uh, I was off. leads me to I'm believe sorry. that episode 9, the title is going to be From a Nap. Yeah. Because if you put them all together, then you have The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, From a Nap. Yep. I too saw that post. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on, guys. But um, Hamill, Hamill actually put that out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he came up with it, but he definitely retweeted it. Yeah, way to go, Hamill. Um, okay, so how do we feel about this title? Any speculation, rumors you want to get out right now? It's ominous. Go on the record on? It is ominous, and I think it's a a, a lead. Like, um, I don't think it. Obviously, it's not going to be the last Jedi. Uh, so here's the deal. I think this kind of plays into a little bit of the extended universe books with uh, the Timothy Zahn trilogy, where uh, when I don't know if he's talking to Ben Kenobi for one of the last times. Um, or what but he does definitely there's a conversation between somebody and luke where they talk about how he's not the last of the old jedi but he's the first of the new yeah and i think this is kind of a play on that a little bit i think we're bridging the gap between um luke skywalker and ray presumably also skywalker uh yeah yeah Uh, um you know we don't we don't go from this movie unless of course they're gonna go with something different it it could be and this would be a just ballsy ballsy move uh just if nothing else because of the cultural connotations behind the word jedi like jedi is a thing that basically everybody recognizes at this point um and so if they were going to go away from something else i could see that but for example uh as we talked about on the podcast or maybe i got called out wrongly on facebook for a couple weeks ago there are no sith and The Force Awakens. No, because we're dealing no. with the Knights of Ren. Yeah. Which yeah. I've yet to actually see anything that really uh, lays out the difference for me in a, in a from what know, I've heard ABC we're gonna 1, get... 2, 3, like, yeah. connect the dots well, kind of way. But th- There's there's only one key difference here that I can explain, or that I can, I guess, cop to a little bit. Um, in the, the Sith, the Sith, are ty- there's typically two. Um the emperor and and of course apprentice. You know, the, the the apprentice or the, which in this case was darth vader there's typically two sith that work in tandem and that's not i think necessarily true for the knights of ren obviously um although it is kind of quasi true because you got snoke and you've got kylo ren but kylo ren also has his own underlings which darth vader never had uh so but that, does he really 
I mean, we haven't I mean, seen them. Yeah, Presumably we never he does because there's there's theoretically a Knights of Ren somewhere, but they didn't play a part in anything in the Force Awakens. But are yeah, they she, still relevant? Gotta... Because Snoke men did mention you are the leader of the Knights of Ren. They are they. I I think that they will probably gain some relevance in the next movie or the movie after. I think uh you know part of the Force Awakens was they they wanted to draw a lot of parallel. I think to um the original trilogy, and so having the Knights of Ren show up would would kind of di- you know. I guess yeah. detract that a little it. bit. Yeah. Well, and obviously, like he told Hux to grab Kylo so that they could complete his training and whatnot. Yeah. And I really hope that the completion of his training is, hey, fuckhead, you got shot by a bowcaster. Quit hitting it. It's already injured. Yeah. Like secondarily, you got beat by a girl uh, who got a lightsaber about four seconds before she kicked your ass. Yeah. Maybe, maybe stop being a little like bitch. she didn't even want to touch that thing, but like she stole it from you when you tried to take it. Yeah. And then beat you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, back to The Last Jedi. I think one of the things that is possible, although I, I definitely don't think they're going to go this route, is it's possible. Um, it, it, not a lot of people know this, but in the expanded universe, uh, there are other Force users outside Sith and Jedi. Um, yeah. yeah. So it is possible. The Witch is a Dothomir. Well, yeah. didn't they touch on that in Rogue One with uh, What's-His-Face? Sort of. Um, well, I don't think he was technically a force user. Those were the Guardians of the Wills, though, and that's a little different. That's even the Guardians of the Wills are uh, even rooted in uh, Star Wars lore from like well before Rogue One came out. Like yeah. it's a um, yeah. the, the movies, the TV monks, shows, and stuff like that. Like, are, they're are, not Jedi. They are, but they're they still are slowly... force users. They they use the force in a different way, right? We don't know that for sure. I don't think they're force users. I think they're lightly force sensitive. Uh, in the way that thus far we've sort of seen Leia. Leia, because, Leia is a force sensitive person, but we have not Chira, seen her yeah, use the force at all. With Chira, like we never saw him actually like use the force. We saw him be blind and still kick people's asses. But like, yeah, I think that's which, where which the, the force sensitivity comes yeah, in. Yeah, it suggests an attunement, but like not a mastery of. Yeah, um, like we don't see him force pulling people and, and pushing and all that kind of stuff, or you know. Yeah, well, no. uh, that's one of the things the movies don't and highlight with, with Bob, quite as much. Had a big gun. Yeah, but they also highlight how um, force force attunement is necessary for lightsaber combat. Uh, obviously, that's something that's kind of not been picked up too much with the new one because we've seen um, what's his face Finn. Finn Finn uses uses the lightsaber throughout the thing, but in in expanded universe content, um, you needed force attunement to properly wield a lightsaber. Uh, and, and in fact, that's if you watch the Star Wars Rebels TV show, that was kind of a subject of one of the last episodes. There were certain uh, Jedi who actually didn't put physical switches on their lightsabers. They were switches that had to be force activated, activated. via the force. Yeah, that's probably a smart from, way to go. Yeah. Uh, in fact, if, if you know, once you've made it past like Padawan stage, that's probably the only way you should go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what I was going to say here is we, we know that there are force users inside the Star Wars universe that are not necessarily Jedi and not necessarily Sith. So I think it's an altogether possible. Um, I don't think this is the way that they'll go. But one theory that I have is that Luke Skywalker really is the last of the Jedi Order and Rey is something new altogether. Dude, I wouldn't even put Luke Skywalker in the same category as the Jedi because he didn't ever complete his training. He did. Sort of like Yoda before he dies is like, well, you're a Jedi now. Yeah, but that's like, I mean, you think about it. Those other kids. No, actually, that's not true. He 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 says you, you will be a Jedi. To confront Vader. Yeah, you'll be a Jedi after you confront Vader. And I do think that that actually um, is when he becomes a true Jedi because Luke follows the Jedi way more than even the Jedi we've seen, especially in the entire prequel trilogy. Luke throws away the saber <laughs> rather than you know rushing headlong into combat. 
uh and that that was probably the the actual you know jedi way at that point so um yeah luke's definitely a jedi i think um but yeah he's definitely a different you know different jedi than the, those we've seen elsewise on the screen i mean i'm not saying you're wrong i'm just saying like well, i'm not so that's good now do you guys think that <laughs> we'll see luke go away in this movie uh, I hope not. I mean, honestly, I think Luke makes it through this whole trilogy. I think Luke needs to kind of be in that position where we lost Carrie Fisher. Yeah. In real in reality, so we we know that like this is her last hurrah. We've we've lost Han Solo as a character. Uh, it would be really devastating, I think, to the franchise if we didn't have. Any we lost R two D two. I will yeah, throw this Kenny out Baker's there. Gone. I will throw this out there. Uh. We may see Luke Skywalker die. We don't necessarily uh, need that to be the end of Luke Skywalker as a Similar character. Similar to Obi Wan Kenobi. Yep, mm-hmm. he could be a Force ghost. He could be in, uh, some somebody you know that's still a I mentor. I don't know if I want to see that. Like, I I would really kind of just like to. Like, what if what if Episode Nine is set in a in a weird re, like not not a different reality, but like you know, Ray just kind of goes to work and comes home and has to like spoon feed. Master Skywalker. <laughs> I mean, it's not carrying him on his on her back, but you know, just whatever. Becomes a CNA, just yeah. I kind of think the the way that I want them to go with this a little bit is that um, I really want Luke and Rey to build the next Jedi Order. I want them to build the new Jedi Order, and then that gives us a jumping off point for episodes, uh, you know, ten, eleven, twelve, and and you know, we have like full on Jedi battles, uh, uh, and you know, we can see something cool that we really haven't seen done well thus far i know we had jedi battles in the prequel trilogy i also know they sucked uh i want to see more of that done well in, in you know previous installments honestly next the installs. only the only lightsaber fight that i really appreciated through the entire prequel trilogy was that last one on mustafar between obi-wan and i did mostly because i could intellectually understand what was important about it yeah um mm-hmm. but see this is the thing that i um we talked about i think when we were talking about in our force awakens review there's a very big difference in the way that these lightsaber battles are choreographed in The Force Awakens or the original trilogy compared to the prequel trilogy. Now, with the original trilogy, you could probably argue that, well, Lucas originally wanted to have this, you know, big flashy dance move choreography, uh, but the, the you know, time and training wasn't right for that. And so we were really just fulfilling his vision. But the thing that gets lost in all of that is the emotion you see much, much more emotion come through in either of the battles uh, with Finn fighting the, um, what's his face trooper, who's got the light stick. The traitor. Yeah. yeah. Traitor. Traitor. And then he goes. With this know. weird thing. Yeah. He, he fights him with, with the light that stick. That for some reason the lightsaber couldn't cut in half. Yeah. The, the, Billy, the Billy Club of, of Doom, essentially. Uh, so that's quite a bit different in emotional tone. And then, of course, the penultimate battle uh between ray and um kylo ren there's just so much more raw emotion crammed into that battle that short little segment than there wasn't any of the prequel trilogy battles it's yeah uh, you're right in that because the the empire lightsaber battle between uh vader and luke was raw but it was also meant to be that way because luke was still relatively untrained and not wise to vader's ways and whatnot yeah and so it was never meant to be let's face it part of it too is just sword fights at that time like choreography at that time 
just a far different beast than what we're capable of doing today. Well, and then you look at Jedi, and then it was way more just like fencing. Yeah. And occasionally there was like broad sweeping strokes and whatnot, but like there was not anything near what they were in the prequels, which was fast paced martial arts. Oh, yeah. Showy stuff. But then again, aside from the Mustafar battle, there wasn't emotion. There's this um, YouTube video, I can't remember what it's called, um, but they go through like how to properly fight with the lightsaber and it goes through the prequel trilogy and it's a, and it goes through all the different steps and it shows actual footage from the film and it's like sweep sabers around needlessly. Don't ever try to actually contact your opponent, uh, you know, swing sabers, but also make sure you don't ever actually try to make contact with your opponent. Do needless flips, you know, like, yeah. th- like the entire prequel trilogy went to like the, the Roy school of needless flip. Uh, um, and, and it shows, you know, quite a bit of difference. There's quite a bit of difference between that and what we get in The Force Awakens. So anyway, that's a long way to say uh, I'd be really excited to see what a Force Awakens-style Jedi looks like in a continued trilogy or whatever comes after. Yeah, because that, that final saber battle between Kylo Ren and, and uh, Rey was fucking awesome. It, it's phenomenal. Like, I, I get a little... I, I tear up a little bit every single time when, when Ray pulls the saber. I don't tear you up. see her standing there. I don't like tear that, up necessarily, like, but I do get goosebumps every time I watch that scene. Yeah, same. same. Like, legit like that, goosebumps. Like, like, that that scene, like, the, the goosebumps, like, uh, the ultimate sort of, like, oh, fuck yes sort of feeling. Like, every single time I've, I've still watched that, and it still impacts me the same way it hit me I, in the theater I get the impression the same is going to be true of the Vader scene at the end of Rogue One for me every time i watch it oh yeah oh yeah it's not it's kind of goosebumps there it's a little bit of a different feeling but yeah every single time i've seen that so far it's like oh my god did, did you see it more than once bailey uh no unfortunately i've not gotten chance to so i'm the only one here that's seen it twice mm-hmm. i want to yeah. see it again yeah it holds up it but does. i remember seeing it the first time and just getting giddy i was like i just want to see a lightsaber in the dark i just want to see that i would have been happy with then i see it and then just him going off I was I was expecting a cut, but they didn't do it, and I was like, "Yes, yeah." yeah. Um, so it's pretty intense, and uh, you know, just that too. Like the way that uh, Vader fights in uh, Rogue One is also completely different from the way that the the any any Sith or Jedi fight in the prequel trilogy. So I'm just yeah. saying, put more of that on screen because I think it holds up. It 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 shows a lot better, and it has a lot more emotional impact. And so I'm just looking forward to a movie that focuses a little bit more on, say, like a new Jedi Order and, you know, whatever comes after uh, the Knights of Ren. Or, or maybe it's a continued. Maybe we have some sort of disciple of Kylo Ren. Maybe Kylo Ren actually survives this trilogy. No, I've and, heard uh, some hints and whispers. What if Darth Revan rises from the ashes? No. Darth Reaven would be one that would be amazing. We still don't know who the fuck Snoke is, so that opens did, a whole bunch of possible doors. Did you know that Revan was almost canon? I did not. There's a deleted scene from the Clone Wars movie that actually has Revan in it. Ooh, oh, they kind of screwed the pooch not throwing that in there. Yeah. Dang. But I heard like hints and whispers of people like speculating, hey, maybe Rey isn't a Skywalker. Maybe she turns to dark side. Kylo Ren comes to the light side. Be an like, interesting twist. It would be. It'd be because, a twist, but I don't like it. Well, I don't like it either. I want Ray to be the hero of this this trilogy completely. I, I know. I mean, like, so do I. But we don't know what her bloodline is. We know that Kylo Ren is a Skywalker. Oh, we know. No, uh, yeah, Ray's a Skywalker. We we um. I we mean, hear we hear at the whatever show uh, are f- fairly firmly in the Skywalker Ray as a Skywalker camp. Like uh, one of the things that's consistent about all of the movies and uh, so far is that they are the story of the Skywalkers. 
um, whether it's Anakin in the prequel trilogy or Luke in the original mm-hmm. trilogy, um, we need a Skywalker for this trilogy to continue that storyline. And so that makes me think unequivocally, Ray is a Skywalker. What I don't know is exactly what the parental line looks like on that. Uh, presumably, she's not some sort of twin of, uh, um, say, Kylo, because that I, I guess it makes some sort of like sort of quasi poetic sense, but doesn't really fit with what we've seen in the force awakens so far. Um, and I don't know how, who, if, if she's in some way, Luke's kid, I don't know who the mother is, which would also be another weird sort of, why did they leave that out? Or I, I guess that could be a big humongous part of episode eight, but, um, no question. She's a Skywalker. I, I want more than anything for them to bring Mara Jade into it somehow. I, I, you know, good luck. I think that would be cool, but they're not gonna. Just, just as Ray's mom, because she was badass. Yeah, they would. They would. I mean, well, you know, I, you I have shouldn't to tell say, the backstory. I shouldn't say that they're not gonna, because you know, it, I, I am holding the line. Ray is a Skywalker, and the most likely story is that she's in some way uh, the child of Luke. And we don't know anything about the mother. It could be that one of the reasons he's in seclusion and the reason that she got ditched on Jakku is because Kylo came after uh, whoever Ray's mom is, the wife of Luke Skywalker. And that was the only way he felt he could keep her safe was hide her. Yeah. Sort of in the same way, you know, again, it, you know, no, that's actually the theory I'm going with because that's just too close of a parallel to what we saw already with the with way him. that Anakin and, and hiding... Uh, um, Luke and Leia from from uh, from don't, Anakin. Don't get me wrong, Mara's a hard story to tell because you have the whole backstory between her and the Emperor and how she was the Emperor's hand. And uh, I think we could see a version of her. Kind of I don't think it's likely that we see yeah. Mara Jade proper. Yeah, I, you you could be right. I don't know. I, we, we, like I think, I think we see. I think a if character... I was telling that story, I'm either telling that story and going all the way, or I'm just going a different direction. If it's me. You know, I think it's possible that they could do it as a fan nod. But one of the things that you have to be careful about is when you do it as a fan nod, but completely change a character like that, it usually doesn't go over so well. So I kind of think that you're right. I kind of think they'd go a little bit of a different direction with it. Yeah. I don't know. He'd bang like Endor communications officer number three or something like that. Maybe she's part Ewok. That'd be funny. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to tell you this, Ray, but you're three quarters teddy bear. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it took a village to make Star Wars. It took George Lucas to put teddy bears in it. The the bad news also is that in order to marry your wife, we decided to adopt C three POism, and he's your god now. <laughs> yeah, that's where we're going. All right, I'm out of beer. All right, yep. Let's come back with some more beers, and then we'll talk about TV. Okay, we're back. Um, we're going to start off talking about Supergirl, and I'm guessing Ryan's going to be mostly silent because he doesn't watch the show yet. Yeah, he doesn't no. watch Supergirl anyway. Mostly, <laughs> yeah. I've watched three episodes of the first season, and it's really one of those shows that you got to power through before it gets any good. It's Here's hard, the deal: the first season is rough. I, I didn't. I don't even think I liked it until like episode uh, twelve or thirteen, probably. Okay, I made it past the live wire, and I was just like, "This is." I'm telling you, the first the first ten episodes, twelve episodes, something like that, to me, are almost entirely forgettable, and the show doesn't really hit its stride. I think until you start season two. Um. Here's and and this so is this is season two. This is the bad part <laughs> about that. I'm Melissa Benoist is actually really good. She is. She's amazing. Um, Plus, I hate to bring it back to politics for just one second, but I really did enjoy her sign at the uh, Women's March, which said, don't grab my pussy. It's made of steel. Yeah. Uh, so, perfect. <laughs> yeah. No, she's kind of my hero. Um, yeah. And then there's... Uh, 
the dude who plays Wen. I don't remember his name. Uh, I don't know either. But he's 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 super good. <laughs> he's like White Cisco. Yeah, Case doesn't like him because he's too Cisco-ish. He is a little me. bit. Like, uh, I'm not gonna lie, they they clearly are like following a little bit of a blueprint uh, with characters in that, that show, though. Especially when you have James Olsen. You yeah. have to kind of translate those two. Yeah, that's. The, I think the problem is that for me, I don't think that Wynn needs to exist so much as James Olsen needs to be. Needs to be uh, <laughs> Needs to be Jimmy, yeah. which is basically just Wynn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess they both get jobs this way, which is good. Job creation. Woohoo. And, and here's the thing. I'm going to make a bet with you. And I'm going to tell you that by the time season one is over and you're finished with it, Callista Flockhart, Cat Grant, is going to be one of your favorite characters in the show. Which is baffling I because... I don't doubt that. I hated her. I absolutely hated her from episode one. The pilot, Eddie and I couldn't talk enough shit about that character. Nope. It was, not, it was horrible. Not like, even... Like, even like when we talked to Marv Wolfman, like, we were like, eh, we've seen the pilot. And... How's that? <laughs> it's funny you say that because Jesse watched the pilot episode and the second episode with me, and Jesse was like, I fucking hate this bitch. Yeah. And yeah. then... And Mar- Marv was even kind of diplomatic about it. He's like, well, that's the fun thing about doing a comic book is that you can write the characters in all these different ways and you get all kinds of cool things about it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's nice, but... But we don't like it. <laughs> she sucks. <laughs> we don't like it, Marv. We don't yeah. like it at all. And so Marv Wolfman, if you didn't know, like, actually created the character of Cat Grant. So that's why we were talking to him about it. But Oh. Yeah. But two but, episodes later, she didn't watch the next two episodes. I was like... Okay. After like live wire where she was vulnerable in her office or whatever. That's actually the episode that turned it around for me for her character and as well. But it, it it took me four or five more episodes I think before I could even kind of get on board with her because she was so nails on a chalkboard bad in in uh, episode one that I I just couldn't stand her. <laughs> Eddie holds a grudge. I do. Fuck so, those characters. So much so in season two. Yeah. Um, but no, she's kind of gone in season two, you know, because of real life stuff. Uh, Calista Flockhart lives in L.A. The show uh, relocated to Vancouver, where CW oh, right. does all of its shows. And Calista's like, yeah, I'll still be on, but I'm not going to go like every week and, you know, do, you know, I'm not moving. So far, she's so. been in the first episode. So she was in the first episode. And now here we are like 10 episodes later and we haven't seen her again. So Jimmy now runs Cat Co. Worldwide. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, of course, what you do when you're a CEO of a major company is promote... You put a photographer in charge a of photographer your company. In charge of the entire... There's no succession. That makes sense. It goes CEO, uh, photographer, basically. Yes. yes. Never mind Snapper, who runs the news division. N- never mind anybody. Uh, it, it's literally just a, a, you know, photographer. Don't get me wrong. Photographers, very talented people. You know, some of them. Uh, and do a very important some service. Others are shit. <laughs> so, some of them just bought a DLS, DSLR and think they're photographers. Um, so anyway, many photographers, professional photographers, people who work in the news industry, especially very talented people, just saying slightly different skill set than running a Fortune 500 company. I mean, is that really true, though? You're right. Clicky, take picture. Uh, same thing. As, I mean, you know, if you can adjust the f-stop and the aperture and, you know, exposure lengths, all that kind of stuff, then what? That that is actually how it goes, uh, sir. Our shares are down through through thirty percent. What do we do? Two point eight. <laughs> two point eight. <laughs> two point eight. Sorry. Zoom with your feet. Oh Back God. up a little. Yeah. Um. Okay, but this week's Supergirl <laughs> directorial debut. Kevin Smith. Supergirl uh, this week, directorial uh, debut. Yes. Yeah. Th- this week, uh, uh, okay. uh, Supergirl. Anyway, um, obviously Kevin Smith has directed a lot of other stuff we know and love, um, but this is his first week directing Supergirl. Um, he's previously done some Flash episodes, which we I think really enjoyed. I'm gonna go yeah, on a limb and say I super liked. Uh, he did the episode where um, Barry gets stuck in the Speed Force, 
and that was a really fun good episode the runaway dinosaur yeah the runaway dinosaur uh and this episode not really any different really good this one this one i mean it's different but it was it was also um i believe the network television premiere of harley quinn smith kevin's daughter i think you're correct uh who played a runaway slash kidnap victim yep who got stuck on a uh, uh, on an alien, alien planet. planet? Yeah. Um. You know, I didn't even notice that the first time around. I, it's really annoying to me now because now that you say it, like it's so freaking obvious. Uh, but I didn't notice that. That that was his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Har- Harley is like I haven't seen enough stuff with Harley. Um, the only thing I've really seen with Harley so far is um, Tusk, Tusk uh, which I wasn't a super huge fan of. You you gotta watch Yoga Others. In fact, I'm gonna make you before we record again. Okay, um, but anyway, I, I've, I watched Tusk and Harley's in that a little bit, and she was she was really good in it. Um, I mean, she, it's a smallish. She, she plays a small role behind a, the counter of a, of a of a convenience store. Yeah, which of course is funny for lots of reasons if you're a Kevin Smith fan. But um, she was good in it. Uh, but I, she's not been in enough stuff that I really recognize her right off the bat. But now that you say that, like it, her face immediately pops into my head, and I'm a little disappointed I didn't see that right away. Um, I follow her on Instagram. And she's like ridiculous, social aware, and whatnot. So, uh, and then if you follow the two of them, like oftentimes they'll talk about one another. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of cute, man. Like it's kind of the thing. Like if the show were to be like famous and whatnot, like I would hope that I could put my daughter in that kind of uh, position someday, where she was kind of already had a platform and yeah, and all that kind of thing. Um, I'm not a super big fan of that like when it comes to certain people like you know will smith's kids could probably die in a fire (laughs) or worse drown no offense will but i don't like kids in any way shape or form you know that's a little harsh dying in a fire is yeah they don't need to die in a fire but they do need to not be in the public spotlight at all yeah i was gonna say a nice you know gentle you you know like uh uh you know (laughs) i'll go with drowning one vote for drowning so (laughs) drowning that's my biggest fear so euthanasia dude that's dark shit right there (laughs) fuck them up by just go underwater just be done okay jaden smith can at least continue exist because run far away will his twitter his twitter is so fucking funny uh, uh, unintentionally, like yeah, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be. He doesn't understand why it's funny, but it's hilarious. But he's like eleven and trying to solve the world's problems. Yeah, or I something mean, like that. Hey, he's older than that now, but yeah, I mean, he might as well be eleven. It sounds like shit. Eleven-year-old would spew if they were exposed Dude, you, to did, lots of opiates. You, have you heard about his most recent rant on Twitter? No. About how he's he needs to leave Los Angeles because it doesn't uh, foster creativity and this, that, and the other thing. I mean then go ahead so he's got the money here's the thing he recorded that in the parking lot of the dmv because he was upset that he failed his driver's test oh my god apparently the uh the driving instructor did not embrace his creativity behind the wheel and that's (laughs) doesn't it doesn't foster creativity i don't know why i couldn't just jump that curb (laughs) like that old lady had to get out of the way anyway what the fuck Yeah, yeah i don't know man that you know some people uh yeah anyway some people's kids should probably stay out of the public spotlight uh other people's kids kevin smith harley quinn uh, i kind of feel like she is uh you know relatively down to earth kevin think, seems like he's relatively down to earth I because i think she's made him a better human being a, a little bit probably yeah yeah i think the thing with kevin is that he was an adult before he ever got any sort of like money and he came from nothing and he came yeah. from yeah practically so. nothing 
Um, and I don't think he's forgotten that. Like when you talk, when, when I hear him talk, it, it, which I have at length, cause I listen to a lot of the different podcasts he, he's on. Um, there's not really many occasions where I'm like, Oh man, he just lives in a different world than the rest of us. And I don't think that, you know, I think that's what the kind of ki- the person that raises good kids. Yeah. It, it, it's funny, you know, like Will Smith, you'd, you'd think would be a similar cause he's also relatively from meager means. But the thing is the dude's had a shit ton of money since he was like 17. Like he probably can barely remember not having, you know, a ton of money. I mean, I'm sure he remembers growing up poor, but like when it comes to adulting, I don't think he knows how to do it without yeah substantial cash flow. Yeah, like we just wrecked the car. Oh, that's fine. Throw that one away. Get a new one. Yeah. Uh, no, that's not really how most people solve that problem. And it's kind of funny because, it, like you said, you listen to a lot of his podcasts, especially if you listen to Hollywood Babylon. You get Ralph Garman, who is pretty brutal toward the smith kids <laughs> yeah but then you got kevin like and and he doesn't just jump on board and agree because he's kind of sitting back there going yeah but it's what he wants to do and like you can tell that that's part of him going yeah but my kid's probably gonna be in my stuff someday and then like a few years later like that's exactly the case but yeah but see the thing is, is that um I don't know. There's a difference in scale. Number one is that um, Harley, you know, Kevin Smith's kid has been in a couple of smaller projects that Kevin's done and not in a way that completely seals the show. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Will Smith is like, yeah, I won't do this movie. if You don't put my kid in the lead. Yeah. So there's a quite a bit of after Earth, right? Yeah. After Earth. Uh, Welcome to after Earth. Um, Sorry. That's a good one. That's fucking terrible. Like (laughs) neither one of us should feel proud of ourselves, but. Yeah, we are. Anyway, <laughs> I I, I kind of am. Yeah. Um. Anyway, especially because I love Independence Day, <laughs> and I quoted that movie incessantly yeah. when it came out. But whatever. Uh. But yeah, th- there's there's a I think a little bit of a difference in how they do it. Like you you don't get a Will Smith movie now that doesn't feature one of his fucking kids in it, uh, fairly prominently. Whereas you you can with Kevin, and secondarily, um, Harley seems a little bit more talented than probably all of the Smith kids put together. I think she's a little bit grounded in the fact that like she knows that like whatever fucking B type movie she's gonna be in of her dad's, like it's it that's what it is. It's not like like Yoga Hosers, I think, is an amazing project that he did, and he did it specifically because he wanted a movie that twelve year old, thirteen year old, fourteen year old girls could like flip through the channels one night and like late at night and run across and yeah. be entertained by and whatnot. And I think that's exactly what he did, but it's not going to win her an Academy award in her first. No. And it's also not like, um, people won't stop talking about her now because she's either stealing the show or, you know, uh, in, in this gigantic project, you know, strictly because she's Kevin Smith's kid. Yeah. She's getting roles, but they're not huge roles. And like, she's, she's going to have to earn her way into bigger roles than what she's getting. Right. Uh, which so. I, I feel fine with. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that in, I mean, fuck it. There's a lot of that in the world. You, you know, if you're, you're a carpenter, your kid's very likely to be a carpenter. If you're in computers, your kid's very likely to be in computers, all of that stuff. It, it makes, of course, complete sense that if you're in Hollywood, you're kids likely to be in hollywood in some capacity or another we've seen this in dozens and dozens of time already um what i don't like i guess with the smith kids is it just seems like they're just shoving them down our throats whether they have any talent or not just simply because they're rich uh um and and you know have a connection whereas you know uh, but people like kevin do you not whip your hair back and forth i i do on occasion i don't have a lot so really i just whip it the one way and it sticks that direction and then I try to whip it the other way, and I can't. And so, uh, obviously, you can that see why... That doesn't rhyme, dude. You can that's see why I'm bitter. Song. I know, but that's that's I, why I I'm bitter. I did in, like, 2006, 2005. That kid right there? 
whips his hair back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. He, Ryan used to hip, whip his hair back and forth, but then we just called it headbanging. That's me when I was 17, in case anybody didn't know. That's adorable. I thought that was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Matt whipped his hair back and forth. I definitely whipped my hair back and forth when I was 17. Yeah. It didn't was have a beard either, so that's probably to like Slayer or, or something. Yeah. That's what I did. My, my wife and kids like to look at those pictures and they're like, dude, dad. And I was like, why the fuck do you think I grow a beard? Because yeah. I was legit 17 in that. And they're like, you look 12. Yeah. I got to say, the I beards look, helped out quite a lot with the, the whole aging thing. That's why I don't shave much. I, I've noticed. Okay, I have so some kind of hair. We briefly talked about this, but I started growing a beard probably about three weeks a month ago. And I don't get carded now. Like, I used to get carded on basically every single transaction. Bro, you've got a little bit of white in your beard. I Yeah, I don't get carded <laughs> at all. Anymore. And when I say a little bit, I'm, I'm going to say a it's third of it. It's primarily almost. <laughs> it is yeah. white. Uh, uh, yeah, so it helps. It, you want you want to look older, I grow a beard. My air. That's just tip for you ladies. Yeah, you, you guys are both older. grayer than I am, and you're like 10 it's, years younger, so. Yeah, fuck you. Um. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're like six years younger, I think. Well, yeah. A legit. I'm I'm 28, and yeah, you're, you're I legitimately have, 10 years younger than me. I have so. George Clooney going on up here. Like it's bad. Should we have carded him before we let him have a beer? Nah, uh, brought it in. Right. Okay, fine. So Supergirl was good. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith directed it. Things happened. Um, yeah. So the premise actually is pretty simple. Uh, Supergirl gets stuck going off world to a planet in which she does not have her powers. Red Sun. Red Sun, otherwise known as the low budget episode. Um, which actually wasn't ridiculously low budget. Like, there's a lot of green screening and stuff like that. But um, I, when I when they first did that, I was like, oh well, they they don't have a budget to do Supergirl's powers this week. Uh, They're like, they didn't want to give Kevin a, a super a special effects budget at all. Yeah. Well, it doesn't actually surprise me because you know that's what Kevin does. Kevin writes dialogue and he directs that kind of shit. Um, so that didn't bother me at all. I thought actually, if you're gonna have him on for a project, this is the perfect kind of thing to do because you can actually make it about the story, not the, you know, special effects budget. Yeah, there was some super touching moments between uh, Supergirl's sister and her uh, girlfriend and stuff that he, I'm like, am I watching Chase and Amy right now? Because yeah. this is really good. <laughs> like, it was. Um, I kind of enjoyed that too. And I like how that they're handling that relationship too. Like, um, you know, we've gone on this rant a little bit before. They... Uh, you know the the uh we we've talked about this in in shows and TV and movies and comics and stuff like that. Um, we're all for advancing social causes. Uh, you know, as we sh- shit on Donald Trump as he you know regresses the nation back a good hundred years with his Muslim ban this week and stuff like that. Uh, we're all for advancing social causes, but we don't want it to be done in a way. Uh, or I guess I'll speak for myself. I don't want it to be done in a way that takes me out of the story. Right. So, like in the first couple of episodes of Supergirl, um, there's a huge feminism. Uh, angle which is fine i'm a feminist like i totally let's advance the cause of feminism women's march go for it i i you get uh women deserve all the rights and you know equality that uh, men have experienced and you know are in many ways uh stuck behind men because of institutional patriarchy and stuff like that it's not the cause of all the world's problems but you know let's let's face it it exists uh we're fans yeah we're fans is what i'm saying so um it doesn't bother me advancing social causes in uh, uh, movies, TVs, and other things that I'm watching. Like when I was watching Star Wars, one of the things that I definitively thought was, it's really fucking cool that I'm watching a movie where the hero is a girl. Uh, full stop. Like, the, And it's not a thing that they uh, really bring up in the movie. It's not a thing that really comes up. 
It, it just is the way the movie is. And that's the way I like my feminism in movies or my advancement of causes. FYI, if you want to see him use the phrase full stop regularly, he is at Charles E. Smith on Twitter. Yep. Uh, you can frequently find me being replied to and, and usually told to tone it down uh, now, which is funny, uh, from at the brutal one. Uh, that's B-R-E-W on Twitter. And we'll do more links later. But or, anyway, or or at the brutal one tends to reply from the at whatever show account <laughs> by accident a good portion of the time. Yeah, it's, it's true. It actually kind of it's funny because I always think I'm talking to myself. Um, so the funny thing here is like uh, the early episodes of Supergirl were rather in your face about Ham-fisted feminism. Is what I would say is the thing. Like when you stop and look directly at the camera and be like, and that's why you don't do drugs, kid. And girls are just as good as boys. Yeah, which is almost literally a verbatim line from the first episode. I think it is. Uh, that's ridiculous. It's bad writing. It really takes you out of the story and and just sucks like it's just a shitty line like let's let's just stop there it is just a shitty line it's not good writing um i don't have a problem with advancing the cause i want you to advance the cause just please don't do it in a way that sucks uh so i like this uh because it, it does a much better job of that with uh the whole relationship between uh um fucking what's her name alex alex yeah, danvers so, yeah, alex. yeah alex danvers and her girlfriend whose name i can't remember because we're sexist yeah, and it's also because I, I it took me like I don't know ten or twelve episodes before I could remember who Win was, um, but anyway, uh, I like the way that the show handles that now because it's not doing that. It's making it a relatively normal thing. Um, there's some teenage angsty things that you know kind of get on my nerves a little bit, but it really doesn't have a, anything to do with the fact that they're gay. It has to do with the fact Alex that it's is a CW. kind of infantile and in her yeah love life. Yeah, and, and, and not even infantile in her lesbianism, just infantile in her love life. It's I can kind of, never have anything good. Yeah, it, it, it's... Occasionally. It's really kind of the bad part of the CW when it comes to relationship drama bullshit. Um, but I like that they're kind of doing it because it is sort of within and, the realm of the CW, normal relationship drama bullshit. And honestly, um, like, just I'm, with girls. I'm a huge fan of Kyler Lay, who plays Alex. Yeah. I didn't have been since that 80s show when she was the chick with the mohawk whose name escapes me at the time. But yeah, uh, come on. We're just bad with names. We are. We're pretty, yeah. pretty terrible with names. After several beers, especially. Yep. Pretty so. much. Um, yeah. So the thing is, like I said, um, I like the way that they're handling it now. It seems like the writers have grown up a little bit in that. And I think this is the way you advance, advance social causes. You make it normal. And this feels normal to me for the most part, uh, with this slight exception that it's still a little schlocky, but that's mostly CW bullshit, not um, uh, uh, shoving a cause down my throat bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I thought it was pretty, very solid uh, episode. Really impressed by Harley toward the end when she was reunited with her mom because yep. there was a little bit of crying at the end, and I was like, "That that seems actually fairly natural." Like that, yeah, she's doing pretty well. That's good. Because um, we were talking about, you said that you were actually pretty impressed by her performance in uh, Tusk, which she's not even in for more than like two minutes. And she's funny. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say impressed, even if I did five minutes ago. But uh, she's just funny. She does well in that movie. Um, it, it wasn't like a oh, they, you know, they got the shitty kid actor, you know, and it's totally taken me out of the thing. Like I had to go back and realize that that was Harley after what, the fact, sort of like I'm doing right now. What's funny is is I was watching uh, Yoga Hosers, and I was just like, man, like all those movies he's done with Jay Muse, and like he does one full full length movie with his kid, and like she's knocking it out of the park. Yeah, you know, uh, nothing against Muse, but I mean. It's fucking muse like he is what he is <laughs> uh and then like honestly lily rose like uh 
Depp. Like I, when I was watching Yoga Hosers, I was like, man, there's no mistaking that her dad is Johnny Depp. <laughs> like she's she's good. Like she's all right, really good, so I guess so. I'm gonna have to watch Yoga Hosers tonight when yeah, we get done. You will like it if nothing else. Like the villain at the end is pretty amazing. All right, as portrayed by Mr. Ralph Garman. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. So as long as he does it as Edwin. Is there Edwin in it? I don't know. I, don't I would remember. be surprised. I know there's Al Pacino. <laughs> Excellent. And there's some Schwarzenegger and some Stallone. Okay, this so, is a villain I can get on board with. It's basically just him doing all of his impressions. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been a hard sell. So, uh, Ralph, we're going to need you. Uh, this is me, Kevin Smith, talking. I'm going to need you to come on and do a bunch of impressions like we do every week on Hollywood Babylon when I command you to do an impression and you have to do it. So here's the thing. The original villain in the movie was supposed to be portrayed by Michael Parks. Okay. Who was the bad guy in Tusk. Yeah. It, it, which, as well as the bad guy in Red State, if you have not seen Red State. Have you seen... Did you watch Red State? I haven't watched Red State yet. You fucking watch Red State, dude. Red State's a legit good movie. Michael Parks, I will say... Um, look, here's the thing about Tusk. I get what it's trying to be. I just don't know that I like that. Uh, but outside of that it's really good like um even though i will say i don't generally think i like the movie it's well done like uh it's just that the whole plot premise for the movie is just a thing that i didn't really like even though i get that it's trying to be a certain thing like it's a cult you know like this harkens back to you know 80s b movie cult sort of things and i think they do a really good job of that michael parks actually was probably one of my favorite parts of that uh from the moment he stepped on the screen i was like oh i like this guy you know so um especially that scene between him and johnny depp that was like the flashback scene oh yeah yeah jesus christ when johnny depp shows up i was like yeah i still don't like it's worth watching the movie almost just be for for those scenes because those are pretty amazing uh i'm gonna say in red state you have michael parks being the bad guy yeah and you have ralph garman being one of the bad guys a silent bad guy zero dialogue yeah (laughs) zero dialogue we i have gotten all the parts in hollywood babylon when he's like yeah i didn't even get a fucking line thanks a lot kevin yeah Yeah. but uh no that that movie's good like goodman john goodman is in that movie and he's fucking amazing okay yeah i'm on board actually i really like john goodman as an actor yeah not just from roseanne although i do love roseanne in fact i'm gonna tell you watch red state before you watch yoga hoser just because like it's it's his first attempt at doing a a non Esk universe kind of a thing yeah okay cool Anyway, uh, that's a long way to talk about the Flash or the Supergirl, but let's talk about the Flash now. Yeah, let's. Yeah. Um. So this week's episode of the Flash has Barry dealing with the uh, reveal we got from the mid-season finale last last uh, 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 episode. Ryan, did you watch that? The mid-season finale. Uh. Savitar. Yes. Yes, I was thinking. I was thinking, I was like, did I see it? Pretty sure I saw it. Okay, so this is Savitar, and and in the mid-season finale, we see Savitar uh, basically totally kill Iris. In the future. In the future. Yes. Barry gets stuck. He he runs, you know, six months in the future by mistake, essentially, and he sees uh, Savitar kill Iris. Um, And now, of course, back in the uh, present, he's got to figure out how to stop that. Um, this episode was a little bit ham-fisted in that, was it Caitlin? Yeah. I think that was like, if everybody was just honest with each other, then blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, Barry's like, hey, Iris, I kind of need to talk to you. 
<laughs> that, that was kind of funny. Actually, um, again, this is the thing that uh, was starting to drive me a little nuts. Like, he Barry just needs to tell everybody. Right now, though, they still actually leave that out a little bit because they don't tell Joe. Uh, Joe still doesn't know that this is a thing, but one of the things they work through in this episode is that uh, Barry kind of has to tell Iris, oh, by the way, uh, you die in like, I don't know, four months now. In like a couple of minutes, you're probably toast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're kind of working through like, is the future, you know, deterministic? Can we change the future? All that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, Barry should already know the answer is yes, because he already fucked up the timeline with uh, Flashpoint and fucked up the timeline with Hartley. So obviously the the, the, the future timeline shit is malleable. So, Barry, come on. Come on. We're not on the edge of our seats here. Just figure out how you're going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, kind of, the, instead, most of the episode is like, wait a minute. We can change things. Yeah. That's so strange. Uh, yeah, duh. Um, you already knew this is the case. And, in fact, they they you know they, they tried to be a little coy because uh, when they're going after what's-his-fucking-face, I can't remember his name, the bad guy. Saboteur? No, no, this is just basically a villain of the week because one of the oh, headlines okay. in the future is like uh, uh, the Flash nabs wh- whomever and uh, that or something stupid. Yeah, uh, the Flash nabs what's his fucking face and um, they see that on a headline uh, uh, on a TV or something like that in the future where Iris dies. So they're like, well, if we can just make sure that doesn't happen, um, then you know we know we can change the future and we can keep Iris from dying. But we have a good half an episode with Barry like pretending not to catch the guy. Because yeah. he thinks that if he doesn't catch him, then the headline won't be true. Yeah, right, basically. So Barry's kind of waffling on actually catching him. And in the end, it's like, well, Kid Flash can catch him. You know, like, he actually kind of fucks up. Like, Kid Flash is like, oh, I got him. And Barry's like, oh, dude, you weren't supposed to do that. Uh, and they're kind of like, well, yeah, but it's fine. Because now that you, like, as I'm watching this scene, I'm like, are you guys retarded? Like, they're like, Barry, why are you being a dick to Wally? He's like, um, no reason. Yeah, it's like... By the way, bro, the, the the headline just changed. Like, uh, the headline now is Kid Flash att- uh, nabs uh, that fucking guy. And so, I, you know, but watching it took 20 minutes to come to that realization. Yeah. W- watching this was a little bit painful because it's like, you know, guys, I've seen a lot of time travel shows before. Um, let's just skip through the bullshit for, a little bit. For all the heart that the Flash has and the wonderful fucking acting that the Flash has, their grasp on temporal mechanics is a little bit limited. They're playing fast and loose with the timeline. Let's just say that. I mean, yeah. Barry, uh, you know, one of the memes on Reddit is that Barry is a big fan of sticking his dick in the timeline. Uh, and he does it with, on a consistent basis. Like if Sometimes you're the, he sticks it in and then, like, stirs it around a little bit. Yeah. If you're the timeline, I'm just saying you better be prepared to get banged when Barry's had a couple of drinks. Because uh, that's probably happening. Uh, the, but at this point, like, guys we've already kind of established in universe what the timeline how how it works and what's going on there so this episode was a little annoying in that we kind of went you know 40 minutes of it or so uh 40 or 42 minutes kind of rehashing those types of things and you know can we fix it can we fix it we've already established in universe that the timeline is malleable get out of your own asses for a second and understand that that's possible you know yeah all right so anyway, so it that's my take on this it's, week it's a fun episode Aside from the whole, like, why is it taking you this long to figure out how time travel works when you've time traveled a hundred thousand times? Don't get me wrong. I still totally love The Flash. It's still a must watch for me every single week. Uh, And and I mostly bitch about it because the other parts are so good. um, And I'm just sort of a cynical person by nature. So, you know, here we are. Yeah. So this is a weird twist of fate because instead of talking about Arrow next like we usually do, we're actually going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow. And the reason is 
is for some reason they have now permanently moved to Tuesday nights at nine immediately following the flash. Yeah, which is a little bit frustrating because not only do I have to now, like, I got too much TV to watch on Tuesday. Like, it was perfect, actually, or fairly close to perfect uh, when we had, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday being the TV lineup for the CW. And then I'd have to catch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in there on Tuesday somewhere. Um, And now we've got three different shows that I watch that air on Tuesday nights, um, and that's rough. So it'd be kind of cool if you moved it back to Thursday. Although I completely understand why they moved it directly to Flash. I'm going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the night of. I do now. I actually, I, I like that show enough that I watch it, I which like is it. good I just, because I keep hearing cancellation rumors, so somebody better. Yeah. No, I like it. I DVR it. That helps. That's That counts in their numbers. I think it does, yeah. Yeah. Um, but Legends, probably one of the strongest episodes of Legends yet, and I'm just saying that because I'm a fanboy, but um, so Ryan, the premise of, of this episode is they find Rip. Okay. Because... He's been gone since the end of season one. Yeah. Right? So they find him finally. We're halfway, more than halfway through the season of Legends, because I think this is only a 17-episode season for Legends. I think you might be correct. I think it's a shortened one. Yeah. Um. Uh, so they find him, only he's not Rip. No. He's an American dude with zero accent and zero memory of who he was, although he apparently has some kind of memory because he's writing a movie based basically on him. Yeah, he's writing a movie that basically follows the storyline of uh, Legends of Tomorrow Season 1. And his prop master on the movie is none other than... George Lucas. Oh, And essentially the entire movie is that something happens at the beginning that scares George Lucas, and he runs away and becomes an insurance salesman. Consequently, Ray Palmer, and new guy whose name I don't remember, but he's a historian. Don't either. Steel. Citizen Steel. Yep. Anyway. Nathan? Yeah, Nathan. Nathan something think, or other. Anyway, um, those two don't get powers because uh, Nathan never sees Indiana Jones, so he doesn't want to go study history. And, and Palmer uh, never sees Star Wars, so he doesn't become a scientist with five doctorates. Yeah, he, he still becomes a doctor. He becomes a heart surgeon or some shit like that. Some, some shit, but yeah. And, and Nathan goes on to be a yoga instructor. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the entire premise is, uh, is having to get George Lucas to uh, still want to make films. As well as find uh, part of the staff of something. Yeah. It's a broken piece of wood. The staff of destiny. Staff Whatever. Of it doesn't really matter. It's, 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 it's the MacGuffin. Somebody stabbed Jesus in the side with it. Yeah. Okay. That guy. At one point. Uh, um, there, there's a couple of interesting things in here that aren't so... Uh, like, as you go through the film, or as you go through the episode, watch out for all the nods to Star Wars. Like, there's a lot of them. Trash compactor scene. Trash compactor is one of the more blatant ones, but even blasters. Like, look around. Blasters. They're using blasters, essentially, and you can see, like, there's a lot of things where, it, like, uh, you know, like, why does the Wave Rider look so much like the Millennium Falcon? Well, this gives you a plausible explanation. The the trash compactor scene, though, even, albeit completely gratuitous... Oh yeah, it, it's, it was one of the most fun scenes of the entire thing because I'm just like it's complete it's, fan it's service right out of the movie. Yeah, it, it is. It is just entirely <laughs> completely fan service. Um, oh my god! But it's kind of funny because it's sort of telling the story of like you know how does George Lucas get the idea for Star Wars and and the episode works through a whole bunch of different ways that that happens. So um, I, you haven't seen it, and we probably spoiled plenty. Uh, I'll just say this is a really fun episode, and you know I, I kind of like where Legends is at right now. It's a completely different show it's, from... It's amazing, and I'm going to spoil it a little bit further because it's funny because they were talking about Palmer's five doctorates, and then at the end of the movie, after everything's resolved, he's like, 
that's why I've got four doctorates. So somewhere yeah. along the line, something's not quite right. But yeah, well, when they changed and Greedo shot first, that was when he lost his fifth. Yeah, something. Um, yeah, they fucked up. Uh, last up on the on, on the TV this week is Arrow, um, a show that we are still watching. And this week again, I'm not sure why. Um, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to try and take it easy on Arrow a little bit because the first half of the season was incredibly strong compared to past seasons. Yeah. This episode, though, was so incredibly disappointing, not only for me, but apparently for the audience at large because it debuted to the um, record low ratings for any episode of Arrow. Yeah. Um, so we left the mid-season finale on a very solid twist, which is we know that Laurel uh, Lance, Black Canary, is dead. Uh, she shows up in the Arrow Cave at the end of this episode, uh, the mid-season finale. the episode with the words, hi, hi Ollie. Ollie. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was really good. And for a second, we were like, oh my gosh, somebody got a crowbar and managed to get Googie's head out of his ass. Um, but no, it turns out not. No, it turns out that not only is his head in his ass, but his dick is also in his own mouth. A little bit. Yeah. I don't know how you do that, but it's that's what's happening. DDP yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that's right you too could learn how to put your head up your own ass and suck your own dick with ddp yoga so it it does come across a little bit that way so um you know the big reveal and this is one of the reasons that i think that the this episode uh opened to such low ratings the big reveal was basically teased in a promo um they did a promo over the course of the break and the the promo gives it away which is that this laurel of course is not our laurel or really even a good laurel she's a bad laurel it was given away in the promo, and it's not the only time that this has happened. In fact, Flash tends to give a little bit too much away sometimes in its in its promos. Yeah, which is funny because Flash doesn't need it. People Supergirl, are going to keep watching. Supergirl is just fine for whatever reason, and there's almost zero promos for Legends a lot of the time. So yeah, Legends is kind of the bastard uh, stepchild, even though it's super good. Like we just talked about, but. it is good. It's a lot of fun. Um, but you can tell the CW doesn't put as much weight behind it. And I think that's partly because it's less recognizable. Like everybody knows the Flash, Supergirl, and now arrow just because it kind of is the grandfather of all of these shows uh but legends gets kind of shit treatment i think by the cw a little no, bit no i'm a, and and even more than that like it's made me a katie lots fan more than uh, i ever was before she's in a small movie um in which she plays kind of an android and uh it, it's actually pretty solid so you should check that out yeah like she's a lot of fun like i and i encourage you especially if you are like-minded folks to us uh follow katie lots on twitter she is Instagram. good to follow on both yeah. yeah her her instagram is actually probably uh, like i think i follow a lot of cw people on instagram and hers is probably my favorite because she, she's just really funny yeah yeah, yeah. I and mean, i like to follow willa because sometimes you see her see ass her <laughs> like, and... yeah like don't get me wrong katie lots super pretty um but she's also fun to follow just because uh, she's a fun person there's there's uh also willa boobs online now because apparently nate her boyfriend posted boobs okay so I'll see you bitches later. <laughs> uh, I got I'm things to saying. do. Uh, coincidentally. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, this episode, though, of Arrow, um, which is given away in the pro- promo, this, the laurel that we're getting is not the Earth One laurel, uh, or at least we're pretty confident it's not. Uh, and we know. We, we've already... They, they, they come right out and say it in the episode. They're just like, hey, this is What's-Her-Face, and she was uh, held... Yeah, she escaped from Star Labs or whatever. This is Black Siren. So shortly after Guggenheim killed Black Canary, um, Laurel Lance uh, uh, showed up in in um, the Flash in Earth Two as the uh, you know doppelganger, um, which is of course Black Siren, and she's the bad Laurel. Um, and 
going into this episode after the midseason finale, a lot of us were like, well, that's probably what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, maybe they're going to work on some redemption arc for her. And maybe, maybe they're like, after all the backlash, we need to get back to a place where we have a good Laurel again. And, you know, maybe we can even bring in some more of her comic stuff uh, uh, with this, you know, because comic Laurel is kind of like this punk rock sort of, uh, you know, kick ass girl. Um, whereas obviously Dinah uh, Lance on, on um, Arrow is not so much. Uh, she's a, you know, ADA or whatever. Um it seems like they're really missing a big mark here because Katie Cassidy in real life is kind of a punk rock chick and they're, they're missing a lot of stuff. So anyway, right. that's one of the big problems I have with this episode. They tease this redemption arc, you know, like, so we're fans watching and we're like, you know, Guggenheim, one of the biggest fuck ups of the show. And pro- actually probably at this point, the single biggest fuck up of the show is killing Canary. And uh, we're watching and we're like, oh, may- you know, Things have been going pretty well for the first half of the season so far as far as like actually making the show watchable again. And we're thinking, oh, you know, maybe and I've gone on record saying this already. uh, I don't care how they retcon it out. Just retcon it out. Maybe they're doing that now. And so they tease this sort of uh, redemption arc with uh, Black Siren and then just fuck it up and go full fucking retard at the end uh, and and have Elicity. uh, Not Elicity. Yeah, they have Felicity. That's that's a nod. I'm not being insensitive. Yeah. they have uh, uh, Felicity fucking one punch, uh, Black Siren and yeah. knock her out. Yeah, let's see what we can do to make Felicity even less believable as a character. Yeah, let let let's take the believability down to like a negative five, because um, that was, makes sense. I was almost black and bored with with Felicity because she's like for the first half of the season, like she wasn't really uh, that atrocious. Yeah, and and you know it's even more egregious because it's not like this just happens. It's like they uh, Black Siren takes out the rest of the team first. So Ragman, the actual guy with superpowers, goes down. Wild Dog goes down. Um, I think it is now Dig. Dig's not in this one really. He's um, in it, but not 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 in that not fighting. Dig actually acts. Dig is in the only scenes of this episode that I really actually thought were amazing. Which oh um, yeah, the the, the he's, attorney he's, guy is is great. The, the the DA is trying to keep Dig from being transported to military prison by the same guy that set him up for the crime that he didn't do in the first place. Yeah. Um, so you get to see some legal finagling as well as Dig punching a DA. Yeah. that That's actually so, a pretty great scene. I like that a lot. So um, That's some good stuff. The other thing, too, that I really enjoyed about the episode um, when it comes to uh, Not Laurel yeah. is that... Uh, in real life, uh, Kitty Cassidy has her septum pierced and all that kind of stuff. And, like, they found a way to keep that in the episode. Like, when she was Black Siren, she actually got to have that shit in her See, face. Which is what makes it all the more tragic is that that's kind of, uh, that's kind of, especially, like, in, in uh, Green Arrow Rebirth, that's the Black Canary that's, that's in Green, Ar- Green that, Arrow that Rebirth. That seems like something that the Dinah we know would do. Yeah. That everybody freaking loves. Like, everybody yeah. loves that book, especially relative to other Green Arrow books. We've talked about how it's gone on. Uh, you know, have record sales. Um, so it's a little bit ridiculous that they take this. They have all of this potential greatness set up and then they just completely screw the pooch. Like um, just completely just waste all of that potential um, for uh, no good reason. Like it's just, again, schlocky, schlocky writing. I- I'm going to tell you this, Guggenheim. I don't trust you when it comes to a show that I really used to enjoy at one point in time. Um, and again, like I said, the first half of the season I've actually enjoyed most of it. I'm not going to shit on the entire first half of the season. Where it goes from here, I can't say. Last season, I know that 
where it went from the mid season was by the time the season was over, I I didn't even watch. It took I mean, it took most of the summer for me to watch the last three episodes of of the series. And you probably regretted even doing that. Yeah. Uh I wasn't a fan. Uh but I'm gonna read your comic book. <laughs> well you'll you're showing him when, stick it right to when X Men Gold comes out, and if I don't like it, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> So, I don't know. I think they just need to run this storyline. Like, let's just, like, you know, uh, have you ever heard of rubber duck debugging? So, like, when you're programming, one of the techniques that has been explained is uh, because somebody actually did this, and, of course, now it's stuck around, um, you take a rubber ducky and you explain your program to the rubber ducky. So, you walk through it step by step and say, this thing does this thing, which does that thing, and so on. And then that helps you find the logical errors in your thing. Because if it doesn't make sense to the goddamn rubber duck, it's not going to make sense to anybody else. Right. So, I kind of think that he needs to do the same thing with Arrow. Like, we... So, last season, we killed Black Canary, and everybody hated that. And uh, this season, we're going to bring her back. And she's going to be the Earth 2 doppelganger, which is evil, and that's going to disappoint people. And we're going to set up this redemption arc and not do anything with it. Here's the thing. I think Guggenheim does that, but instead of using a rubber duck, he uses his dick. And before he does it, he lays it in a pile of money. And just then sticks it right in his mouth, probably. Yeah. Like He's like, well, this feels right. And then goes from there. Uh, Okay, so that's Colorful Metaphors this week on The Reverie Show. Uh, Let's uh, come back in just a second. We'll talk about comics and then finish off the Royal Rumble. Okay, so we're back. We're going to talk about some comics real quick. Uh, We're going to talk about Wolverine comics, actually. Two different, very different uh, Wolverine comics, but very fun Wolverine comics. If you tuned in last week, you heard me. I don't want to say demand, but I did very strongly urge uh, Mr. Smith here to uh, get caught up on all new Wolverine featuring Laura Kinney. And Old Man Logan. Well, I mean, you basically just told me to read them. We were talking about the Logan trailer, and uh, Matt, who's read uh, a lot more Wolverine than I have, was like, yeah, this fits in a lot with uh, these particular properties, and you should check them out. And so I did. And I read the first couple of books of all-new Wolverine. Uh, actually, I think I started Old Man Logan first. I read the first... I was like, well, I'll read an issue or two and see how I like it. I read the first one, and then I was like, well, I'll read the second one, too. That was pretty good. And then I read, like, six of them. Uh and that was really good. And I was, so I was like, okay, but I got to check out all, all new Wolverine 2. Uh, so I switched over to that book and I read, you know, same thing. Like I'll read one or two and see how I like it. And then I read like nine of them. Um, so here we are like two days later. I had read the entire run. It's like 30 uh, comics. Books. I think there's like 15 of each. There, There is about 15 of each, you know, pretty close to there. Um, but I had read essentially the entire run of both. And I really enjoyed both for, you know, almost, you know, similar but different reasons. Number one. I, I guess let's talk All New Wolverine first. Um, so All New Wolverine is, of course, the story of Laura Kenny. She's a clone of Wolverine, that is Logan, uh, James Howlett, um, and uh, has old her... Old school own... Wolverine, not old man Logan. Yeah, let's right. not get... Uh, we'll get to why old old man Logan is something entirely different, but uh, this is this is a clone of Wolverine Prime, essentially the one that is currently dead in the Marvel Universe. Um, and, you know, so, of course, she's taking up the Wolverine mantle, and there's a lot of fun things. Number one is she's a clone of Wolverine, so that she shares similar characteristics. But in, on the other hand, she's completely her own character. So that, number one, is one of the things that I really enjoyed reading. Um, it, all these little clones and parallels to, uh, uh, you know, the Wolverine I know, um, but also told in a different way. You know, obviously completely different because, number one, Laura Kinney's a girl. Um, so that's fun. And number two, there's some subtle differences outside of that too. Like, um, power set, for example, is slightly different. Uh, uh, Laura Kinney has the healing factor going on. 
Um, she's got claws, but she's got different sets of claws. So she's got two claws in each of her hands and she's got a claw in each of her feet. That comes in handy. Uh, let me tell you that uh, through the book, that Especially was when you got to kick a dude in the balls. Yeah, that comes in handy, uh, throughout the book. Um, there's also a couple of other things like, uh, I don't have much of her backstory except for what's explained in all, all new Wolverine. Um, one of the things that, one of the questions I had for you today was, um, what should I go read if I want more Laura Kenny backstory? Um, because there's some things that are obviously hinted about that are done in other books, you know, but one, and the main thing that I'm talking about here is Laura Kenny was, um, part of a program that was, you know, basically creating assassins. And so for example, she has the trigger scent, um, which becomes a, a, a feature in later books or a storyline in later books, which is, um, there's this scent that she has or that, 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 um, they use to induce her basically into this like kind of berserker mode. Um, in which she, you know, basically kills everything around her. So they drop the trigger scent on her when she's in the small town hiding out from bad guys and she kind of kills the whole town. Yeah. And honestly, I can't even really answer that question because I did not read the origin of Laura oh, okay. and all that kind of stuff. Um, what I know about her, I know mostly because I am a big fan of the all new X-Men book, um, yeah. both the previous volume and the current volume. And I've read all of them. And she's part of the all-new X-Men team. Uh, she kind of has a thing going on with Warren. Okay. Yeah, she does. And in, in, in all-new Wolverine, it's not discussed at length. They're really hinted at a whole lot. Um, not hinted at, but not talked about a whole lot. But she's definitely with Warren in, in all-new Wolverine. Yeah, so. this book is kind of treated um, quite a bit separately from that whole deal. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't go... It isn't a bad thing, necessarily. It just... Overall, my problem with Marvel these days, and this is, I'm going to get on a slight rant, not a huge rant, but like back in the day when I was a teenager and I was reading comic books, one of the things I always really admired about Marvel comics is that it didn't matter what comic book you picked up. If Mr. Fantastic helped the X-Men, it was talked about in both the X-Men and Fantastic Four um, in any other book that was tangentially related to anything that happened that month. Um, these days, it seems like there's a lot of stories that are treated completely separately, like the all-new Wolverine yeah, she's got a relationship with Warren, but they don't really talk about it a whole lot. And none of the events that happen in Wolverine make any difference on all new X-Men and vice versa. And it's 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 kind of frustrating because this is a company that used to excel at that. Continuity was like their thing. If you wanted to read comic books because of continuity, you read Marvel. If you wanted to read superhero stories that were outstanding superhero stories but didn't really mesh well with the other books in the series, you read DC. That definitely comes up in DC today. Um and actually, that's one of the parallels I was going to draw um, be between reading, you know, Old Man Logan and All New Wolverine. There is some crossover, but they don't really have much effect on each other's books. Like there is just sort of a cameo that tells a story and, and uh, they do the whole Fing Fang Foom deal in the. Yeah, but it has was next that Wolverine to, where he helped her with that. It, it, yeah, yeah, in Wolverine, uh, Old Man Logan comes to the Wolverine comic and there's a little bit of crossover, but it doesn't really have any effect on Old Man Logan. And you can tell the the stories aren't meshing up, you know, super well. And that's sort of the, the you know, the norm for DC comics. Like right now, if you read action comics and you read Superman, they're almost completely different. Like, yeah, there's not really much reference to the other other than like sometimes superman makes reference to the fact that he's a kid yeah and it's the same thing with uh batman or detect batman and detective comics and certainly with batman and all-star batman like they're all ridiculously separate stories uh, um given that they're all set in the same world with the same characters and so marvel uh, it seems is going a similar direction because although they do tie in some stuff like old man logan showing up in Wol all new wolverine um it's really not necessary for you to have read either book to enjoy the other the thing about the old man Logan book, and I'm not going to go into specifics until you're ready to talk about 
your experience with it. But like the thing that I will tell you about Old Man Logan as an audience is that it's easier to accept that kind of separation in Old Man Logan because Old Man Logan tends to have stories where he wanders off on his own. It 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 does. Um. So yeah, we'll finish a Wolverine, but you're. I don't know. We we can talk about this. this. Is just a conversation anyway. But that that's very much my feeling with it. Like Old Man Logan is a little bit apart from the rest of the Marvel universe. There is some crossover, but generally speaking, the Wolverine like they tell stories that are really Wolverine centric and not so much Marvel centric. And there is a little bit of crossover crossover rather, um, but not a whole lot. Um, so old man Logan, if you're a fan of Wolverine, especially you can read really without any, you know, um, caveats or, you know, like read this book before you read that book, uh, just dive in with old man Logan. There's 15 or so books right now, and you can read them from the beginning with no pre-knowledge or anything other than a cursory, you know, examination of what Wolverine is. Um, the book is really self-contained and that that's actually kind of one of its strengths. I think is that you really need almost no knowledge uh, previous of of old man logan to really get some enjoyment out of it it does help if you have some like when lady death strikes shows up you're probably going to be a bigger fan if you know wolverine as a character a little bit more um right. and you know just wolverine in general if you know who wolverine is you're probably going to be a little bit bigger fan because you'll be able to appreciate like his limited healing factor for example in old man logan um but anyway uh so on on all new wolverine i'll just say I really do like the way that they're continuing to carry the Wolverine mantle. Um, and I, I like Laura Kinney as a character. Like they've managed to make her similar enough to Logan as a character. Like she's got this weird sort of backstory where she's a clone and she's got this, you know, hired assassin, uh, uh, things that she's not quite control under control of about under control of over her own body in much the same way that, um, Logan was. Um, but she's also different enough that it's still an interesting read, you know, as a first timer, yeah, I like the relationship between her and her little sister. Is uh, so do I. I was, and, and you mentioned I can't remember this. Her name. Uh, um, I can't either. But you mentioned this actually talking about uh, the Logan trailer because the little sister looks a lot and reminded you a lot of of the the girl in the Logan trailer. And I totally got that too. She's a little bit different, and maybe just because all we've seen is a trailer. Um, but she's a little bit different in the little girl in the in the Wolverine movie, uh, book, rather, is um, a little bit more lighthearted, given that she's a total murderous assassin girl. Um, yeah, and it shows once in a while. Yeah, and that shows <laughs> once in a while, and maybe that's all we're getting so far from the Wolverine trailer, which I think is entirely possible. That little girl in the Wolverine trailer seems almost feral. Um, and you know, you can Google if you want to be really sad, like what a feral child is actually like, but she seems like that a little bit. Um. And maybe we're getting to the part in the in the movies where, you know, we get to the, the, the lighthearted, you know, sort of, you know, actual child type of girl. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of parallels that I drew, you know, reading that, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I think they really did a good job kind of nailing down that if 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 their object is to bring Laura Kenny in as as a younger uh, version of a Wolverine clone, similar to the, the little sister character in all new Wolverine. Yeah then they, they kind of nailed it. Um, Old Man Logan, uh, segue into that book, Old Man Logan, what's important to understand is he came from an alternate reality. He's not part of the 616, but he has absorbed into the 616 at this point. Yeah, it's kind um, of interesting and weird. He spawned from Secret Wars. So okay. when Doom was a god and had all the different kind of realities mushed into one where he had the, the Age of Apocalypse kind of reality, he had 
the old man Logan reality was another one. Um, in the Thor reality, there was there was there was a ton of different kind of um, weird things that fans have adopted as canon over the years that they kind of made canon by doing the Secret Wars two story. Um, and Old Man Logan is part of that, although that was a, an original, I think, from the Secret Wars 2. Yeah, the simplest explanation or setup for Old Man Logan is we're several years into the future, and this is a future in which all of the bad guys got together, basically, got their shit together, and then completely decimated the good guys. Um, so, like, uh, sort of. One thing that you don't get in the Old Man Logan series necessarily is, a, is an explanation as to why he is what he is. Because this takes place more in the Secret Wars uh, yeah. timeline of things. Logan killed all of his friends. Yeah, so there's hints to that in the Old Man Logan book, which is another question I had to ask you. Um, in, in the book, Logan is remorseful, and he hints at the fact that he's killed everybody he actually cared about. Like, it, it's it's revealed that he is probably the reason for the destruction of the X-Men. The other interesting thing here is that uh, Bruce Banner, the Hulk, is a big bad guy in this um and he actually has his own hulk gang which maestro. is maestro he's he's become he's evolved into maestro i think in the yeah in the old man logan future and then he's got his own kids that are a-holes. yeah the the hulk yeah the hulk gang is actually his kids um his kids who have you know similar powers set to, to the hulk um and, and you know they're basically in green mode all the time with uh you know semi-conscious or not semi-conscious, but, you know, conscious rather than, you know, being rage monster that Hulk is in the movies or something like that. Um, so that's Instead kind of, of being giant green monsters that can't control their own rage. They're giant green monsters that are just dicks. Just gigantic dicks. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the setup here is that Logan actually gets sent back to the past in some way. And this is probably the this is more the six one six, so the Marvel universe proper. And um, you know, one of the things that Logan has to deal with is that in the future that he's from, he had a family, and they've all been killed at this point. I think by the uh, Hulk gang. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I don't think we've seen that actually in the book yet. Um, and he's got to deal with that, and so he goes back. He realizes he's in the past, and he's like, "Okay, well." In the future, you know, uh, whatever his name is, is a gigantic dickhole, so I'm going to kill him now. Uh, and I can't remember, the first one is like a smallish, uh, um, you know, Marvel villain who ends up being really big bad in the um, Old Man Logan universe. So he goes back and basically brutally murders him, like, right off the bat. And it's not until a few issues in that um, somebody explains to him, who I can't remember, that this isn't exactly the same. It's I think it's, it's Gene. Gene. Yeah, Gene, Gene young gene who's actually gene from a different timeline to two uh explains to him you know this isn't exactly the same universe um because of you know this difference and that difference and that difference this is this is a piece of the story that i actually really respect um and that is that it it really does draw a clear line that it doesn't matter what reality gene gray from is from or what reality logan is from like there's a connection of some kind yeah and logan old man logan is just he remembers how he felt about his gene, which is similar to the uh, 616 Logan and Jean Grey relationship. Um, that even though she was married to Cyclops, you knew that there was definitely... Uh, she loved him yeah, uh, to some extent. Um, and of course, he was in love with her. This is kind of... Um, there's he, a connection, but it's more uh, father-daughter-ish than... Because he it's almost a very conscious decision of himself like that he like understands that this isn't his gene yeah he, and so he, he kind of makes himself those uh, are almost like panels from the book take yeah take 
take a different approach to this gene because he, I think he says something along the lines or like his inner monologue is like, you know, I'm too old. I'm I'm old enough to be her father. This isn't the same gene I knew, but there, there's clearly a connection there. Which yeah, I also enjoyed that too. Yeah, and and I, I Marvel Comics the one one of the one of the the things that I've loved about Marvel Comics was the in, the dynamic between Logan and Jean Grey, and they've been able to kind of adopt that um, and then change it to meet this this current timeline. I'm 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 a softy when it comes down to it. Yeah. And uh the the Gene Logan dynamic is one of my favorite things ever in Marvel Comics and and the fact that they're able to kind of maintain that albeit differently. I'm still a huge fan. Yeah, same. Um so again, once you accept the premise of Old Man Logan, which I don't think is a hard sell, um th- this relationship is really interesting. So, um Old Man Logan 100% endorse. Uh if it in though I think we're going to get a very different story in the Logan movie than both Old Man Logan and All New Wolverine. I think we're going to see a lot of nods to both of these books and I'd strongly encourage you read whatever you can um before seeing Logan cuz I think it'll make you appreciate Logan a lot more. So, yeah. Uh that's one of the reasons I encourage you to read it is just because this movie seems to draw a lot from it although it's not going to be identical. No, I mean, the stories are vastly different, but I think they're taking a lot of things that are similar in feel and tone, um, which is a good thing. Like, I think that's one of the things that works best about movies. And they've done that with a lot of the popular properties that we already know and love. Um, Because, you know, let's face it, for any of these big characters, Wolverine, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, whatever, there is so much back catalog um which spider-man are we talking about are we talking about ultimate spider-man we're talking about young 616 spider-man are we talking about old 616 spider-man are we talking about you know something from you know a clone version there's so many different directions you can go but in its essence there's all of these different little awesome things you can pull from those characters and translate into a screen character and i think that that's what this logan's going to do really well is take all of these different aspects and and translate them into something that i really want to see on a movie comic books even since the 90s have evolved to a point where it's not even just backstory anymore it's almost what i would consider lore yeah pretty much and uh the x-men characters for one are are super precious to me and which is why i'm really excited about logan because it looks like it treats the property with a lot of respect the other thing too that i'm looking forward to is cable because cable is a character that i've always really liked in the comic books and I'm going to be really protective over him. And I think that the, um, the idea of bringing him in with Deadpool, I think is really, really perfect because there was a really good run, um, that was called cable and Deadpool. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and I think they're going to, they're, it's, 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 it's going to be a little bit more slapstick than I'm probably used to from my nineties experience, but not so different that it's not cable. I, you know, so what? I, I, the thing is, I don't think he's he's necessarily gonna be a lot more slapstick. No, he. And plays I think that's one of the things that's gonna that balance dynamic, that. Yeah, but uh, but there's there's gonna be some things that happen to Cable that there, are a little a, bit more slapsticky than I'm used to. I there, think. There's a reason why uh, there was a big nerd squee in the audience when um uh, we got that after credit scene in Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. It it's really funny. Somebody the other day, um, my friend Ryan on Facebook posted a thing. Uh, not Bailey, but a different Ryan. Son of a bitch. <laughs> he he posted he posted a thing that was basically like it had like six or seven different categories and each superhero there was there was four or five uh superheroes in each category and each one 
had a price tag on it, right? And you're supposed to basically like you you have a limit of fifteen dollars and you have to create a team. Nice. Um, Cable was a one dollar character versus some of the other ones, and I'm like, my first comment before I I assembled my team was like, dude, Cable is an omega level telepath. Yeah. Like, why is he a dollar? Yeah, Cable is actually a pretty amazing character. So yeah. Anyway, um, let's wake up Ryan and we'll talk about the Royal Rumble. Shall we? No. <laughs> Snap out of it, buddy. Shit. Um, Shit. All right, so the Royal Rumble. Um, we've kind of left Ryan behind a little bit for the rest of the episode because he hasn't read these comics because we didn't tell him to. Because, or the TV uh, shows. Yeah, he I'm wasn't sorry. He wasn't here for this last week's episode. So here's the thing. We did have a Royal Rumble he, He's also been in Maryland for yeah, the last I was. Like, 11 days or whatever oh they, they don't probably don't even have cable over there it's fine no they're pretty no. far behind yeah no <laughs> or ahead that's that's absolutely not true you're right he got back with his flying cars and his yeah. you know telepathic. he just took the delorean it was weird i actually time traveled going three hours that actually explains why you did better on the card for me than uh royal rumble it was it's not weird. because i suck at all um, all right, so we did. We watched the Royal Rumble pay per view this week, and it was three quarters of a great pay per view. Uh, I'm gonna give it eighty percent. It was, it, yeah, that's yeah. fair. It was, it was really a good show uh, for the most part. Um, so, uh, as you guys know, and by the way, for those of you who don't like wrestling, this is you're it. gonna get. This is what we're gonna talk about for the rest of the show. Now is wrestling. So, it's time to leave you know, if you don't like wrestling, Rob. If you don't want to listen to this. <laughs> go fuck yourself i mean yeah. have a good night sir <laughs> i'm just kidding you know what's funny when we when you first started talking about like let's do wrestling on the show i was like no that's dumb and now i'm totally into it so uh if <laughs> rob fun, if, is it not if you don't like wrestling i i gotta say uh as i was watching this pay-per-view there were moments where i was like generally yelling at the tv uh, with a fervor that I don't really have for most all things. of us actually so, at times yeah. during this we're, yeah. we're legitimately excited about this yeah so, so it, it it can be very good although I, I get why people don't like it but you know there's a reason why I'm still doing it so it's my show too I could just say fuck off uh anyway let's talk about the royal rumble um we opened up actually at like a two a fucking clock because um this royal rumble actually uh the the main show starts at four o'clock but the pre-show had like three or four different matches in it it was three matches and it started at two so it was a two-hour pre-show with three matches on it which yeah so this is like a two to eight sort of deal if you wanted to watch the whole of it i'm not gonna bitch too much but this is an issue of time management yeah because i think we actually ended at 7 30 I think about yeah. I think so. I think you're right. So we could have we could have actually probably put one of those matches, and in my vote would be the tag team match, probably yeah, uh, on the main card, and still only had an hour pre-show. Which tag match? Female tag match or the tag team titles? The actual tag title match. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I could go either way on that one, but um, so we had a few matches um during the pre-show. I think the first one was the um the uh, six woman six women tag match. Yeah. And that I did miss. I did, we didn't make it here in time for that, which is a little sad because um, these, these, I actually was interested in watching this match. We so, uh, Becky Lynch, Nikki, Nikki Bella, Naomi versus Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, and Natalia. Matt, yeah. I think, is the only one that actually caught this. So how'd it go? Um, I didn't catch all of it, like move for move, because I was making potato skins. Yeah, thanks, by the way. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed those. I've never made them before, and they actually came out. Decent. Not have yeah, they were good. Yeah, yeah I've never, yeah. I've never done that. So I only had like five of them, so I'm not really sure. But well, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a compliment. So yeah, uh, 
I actually had Alexa Bliss, Mickey James, and Natalia winning this match, and my suspicion was that Mickey James was going to get the pin over Nikki Bella. Um, I I scored zero points on our little cheat sheet here for this yeah. one. Uh, Matt found on Reddit, um, Squared Circle. At, that's reddit.com slash r slash squared circle. If you're interested in checking out wrestling news on Reddit, uh, Matt found this uh, uh, sheet, basically, which is like a scorecard for um, the, the Rumble. So you have all the different matches and all of the different things you could also get bonus points for. Like, for example, in the Rumble, you got bonus points if you correctly guessed the runner-up. Or if you correctly guess the over-under on how long the match would run. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff like that. Uh, so Matt got zero points, which means, like me, he fucked this match as much as possible uh, and, and as far as his prediction goes. Yeah, it turns out that the uh, Becky Lynch, Nikki Bella, and Naomi team win with Naomi scoring the pinfall. See, I wouldn't have guessed Naomi, but the thing is, is like I'm kind of a Becky Lynch fanboy. Uh, and I probably would have bet on her team just regardless because I like her more. I, I am too, but here's the deal. And when it comes to heels, especially girl heels, um, if it's not Charlotte, to me it's Alexa Bliss, and she's amazing at being a yeah. heel. I, I completely agree. Um, as well as Mickey James. Mickey James, who has not been around for a long time, she actually had a very famous feud with Trish Stratus back in the day, which tells you how long it's been since she's been Holy in hell. WWE. Okay, I was just going to say, like, I don't yeah. even recognize the name. Like, um, We've been watching these for the last six or eight months, it was a good and I don't feud recognize and, her and it was a creepy feud. Went to TNA, had a hell of a run in TNA. Um, she's also a country music singer at this yes. point. Yes. All right. Um, and recently was back. Uh, she came back to WWE in the form of NXT and challenged Asuka for the uh, NXT women's title. Um, but now she's on the main roster. And so I, I was I was really thinking that since she's uh, a more seasoned veteran, that they might give her the, that they were going to give her a little bit of a push and that she would go over, which is why I, I picked uh, her team to win uh, at the Rumble. But I was wrong. Makes sense. All right. So next matchup, Raw's uh, tag champs. Nope. Um, next matchup was actually Nia oh, Jax that was the Nia Jax. Yeah. Okay. No, that was the last match. Actually, it was the tag match. That was, was it the tag match. It was the tag match. Oh, that was next. oh nailed it. Uh, so the Raw men's tag match. That's Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson versus Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, I picked Sheamus and Cesaro, and I was totally wrong. So, I was totally right. Here's the deal. It's important to note that none of us have actually watched any WWE programming. Uh, minus one episode of Raw that I watched yesterday uh, since the last time we recorded after a pay-per-view. Yeah, I haven't Basically. seen anything since Survivor Series. So I've we've seen zero story build-up or anything like that. Um, I did pick Anderson and Gallows just because when uh, Cesaro and Sheamus beat the New Day for the titles, it was really only to get the titles off of the New Day and not necessarily to give those guys a run, and Anderson and Gallows have definitely earned it. And I kind of thought that, that was the way that was going to go, and I was right. Yeah, you were totally right. Um, I in, and I probably should have seen this coming because I think Sheamus and Cesaro aren't really a great tag, um, and they only had like about five seconds of you know spotlight, which was to beat the New Day. And I think again, the, the whole purpose of, the, of beating the New Day was basically just so they could destroy Demolition's record because WWE is pissed off about them suing them. So yep. You're yeah. Not wrong. So, uh, yeah, Luke Gallows, uh, Carl Anderson over the new uh, over Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, yeah. Again, I was actually still cooking during this match, so I didn't see most of the match. However, um, these guys watched a little bit. A of it. little bit, bits and pieces for the most part. It was a pretty. I mean, I, I didn't pay enough attention to, to it to care, obviously. Yeah. All right. So the last match of the pre-show was the uh, Nia Jax versus Sasha Banks match. I picked Sasha Banks to go over Nia Jax, and I did too. 
Uh, I am the only person that picked Nia Jax. And the only person that got it correct. Um, this match was okay. Um, it was a pre-show match, and I think it probably fit okay in the pre-show. There wasn't anything on the line for this match. Um, I'm a bigger fan of Sasha Banks, and I really wasn't familiar wow. with Nia Jax at all. I don't understand why Sasha Banks is in pre, pre-show. It's mm, Me either, which is one of the reasons why depressing. I picked her to go over here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rant just a little bit. Nia Jax, I get it. She's a big chick. Don't push her. Why? But... Like again, she can't. She can't keep up with the rest of the women's no, division. She can't. Like physically in the ring, she's big. She's physically imposing. And I'll I'll grant you if she knocked you down in the in the beginning of it, it wouldn't be much of a match. But this match went seven minutes, eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And a chick of her stature isn't going to be able to keep up with Sasha Banks. No, in that in that, it was kind it's of unbelievable a- to me. Yeah, the the thing is, is that Nia Jax is almost a little bit too big to be wrestling in the women's division, um, but a little bit too small to be wrestling men's. Um, you know, like so China, for example, she's, she's a plus size girl. Like, yeah, and and I and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I just mean she's she's heavy set. Like, she's not just sticking Sasha Banks next to Nia Jax is uh, a little ridiculous looking. Like, it's kind of like sticking uh, Braun Strowman next to you know just me. about anybody else. Well, yeah. and here's the other thing: her work doesn't look safe to me. Oh, definitely and not. When you put her in a match with Sasha Banks, who is a little bit injury prone, it just doesn't it it doesn't sit well with me. To five weeks ago, Sasha Banks was at the top of the women's division with the championship belt, and now she's on the pre-show jobbing to Nia Jax. It wrestling in the first ever do... women's Hell in a Cell, like yeah, first ever Hell in a Cell, Iron Man match, match. Yep. false count anywhere match on Raw, like. She's done basically massive things, setting records for the women's division, and now all of a sudden she's jobbing to Nia Jax on the pre-show. And why? So that's why this match didn't sit well with me. Um, yeah, I completely agree. Like I, when I heard first off, I didn't know who Nia Jax was going into this, which is a little weird because I did know who Sasha Banks was, and all of those things you said. Like I was familiar with a lot of those things. If nothing else, I was familiar with the first ever Hell in a Cell match, which we talked about on one of the uh, previous episodes, and was actually a really solid fucking match. So we know Sasha Banks can work. Um, so I don't get necessarily why they're putting her up against Nia Jax, who to me um, so far hasn't been anything special. So, uh, you know, granted, only seen one match. I don't know. Maybe she's really good. Um, it, it, it's a little concerning when you say she's not a safe wrestler because, uh, you know, it's that that's never good for the brand, for the business, for the people working it. Um, but the other thing that I don't get here is um, putting Sasha Banks up against Nia Jax. It's just a weird matchup. Like it's just a weird matchup. Putting like the only the only uh, uh, wrestler, uh, women's division wrestler, I can really see her going up against is probably Charlotte uh, and maybe Becky Lynch. I could see her. I could see Charlotte being able to kind of hold her own against Nia Jax. Oh like yeah. Um, Sasha's one of the more demure women's wrestlers. Yeah. Like, aside mm-hmm. from Alexa Bliss, I don't think there's anybody smaller than Sasha. No. And. Here's the deal. Maybe I'm not being fair when I say she doesn't look safe, but I've been watching wrestling since I was six years old, and you kind of learn what to look for, and you learn what it is to put on a great match, and you also learn to look at when somebody's taking unnecessary risks. And I just mean it. It just from a matchup perspective, like. Uh, T.J. Perkins versus Braun Strowman, not very interesting. 
Um, TJ is wrestling in, in a completely different style and class than, than a, a, a guy the size of Strowman is. All lost Sami Zayn versus Braun Strowman, which has actually been a thing. Yeah. You know, and it 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 isn't fun to watch because it's really one-sided. And, and, and even though really... there's, a, there's, a, there's a clear underdog, you're just like, well, I'd root for the underdog, except I'm not stupid. And there's, yeah, it's so. it's kind of also just a waste of talent. It's a waste of, um, you know, uh, what what each each uh, person can really do in the ring. And so, you know, this match, I don't know, didn't make well, sense to me from the beginning, and it was kind of a boring match to watch. So. In this match, what you're saying was what each person can do. What you saw with Nia Jax is what you get with Nia Jax. Like, there's. I haven't seen her do anything I mean, it, else. It's kind of like the same, it, just the same as the men's division. Any big wrestler like that, anybody who's you know that dominant in size, it, to me, I mean, they're they're useful from a storyline standpoint of like, um, you know, Undertaker going in and clearing out a ring, for example. That's useful, but they're not really useful for anything past that because they're not really uh, they're there for size. Like when you yeah. put Big Show in the r- the ring, it's not because he's gonna do flips off the top rope or some shit like that. That's, it's because he's gonna clear a ring and be physically dominant. That's so, kind of what Nia Jax is. The women division is a Big Show, but there's no other th- there's people no in that other division that can really stand stop, up. Yeah. with it. Yeah. Like, so it's so that's maybe what I'm if saying. They brought like, in Awesome Kong. Then yeah, you could have something cool if they, an amazing if they, match, but she's not there. But that's no. the other thing. Like the, the, I, that's the maybe the little bit of the problem here is that Nia Jax um, to be used properly, we need a bigger women's division. Like, yeah, um, because the way you use those big guys, Braun Strowman and whatever, is like kind of like the, you know one of the weaker moves in tonight's Royal Rumble. But kind of like you use them in the Royal Rumble, you go, you use them to be a dominator, you use them to you know do double uh, 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 suplexes and shit like that. Um, but just having them in a singles match against a person who's half their weight is fucking boring. At least there are guys that are conceivably able to beat Braun Strowman. Like you've got Mark Henry, you've got the Big Show. Yeah, you know, like there's there's like two or three girls in the women's division that are even close in 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 weight class to to Nia Jax and again uh, you know I, I I get the whole body issue women's thing and, and that's not what I'm talking about I'm just saying you forget their genders for a second and it's a boring match because Nia Jax is out weight, uh, you know out outside of her weight class by a good you know 100 pounds or so yeah easily yeah and, and I don't mean that in, in a negative way. Like, Nia Jax is not, you know, like, a gigantic, you know, behemoth of a woman. It's just that compared to Sasha Banks, who's, what, like, 5'2", I mean, 120 soaking wet? She is pretty big, uh, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I'm not – that's not yeah, I'm the not, approach I'm not that criticizing we're trying to that. I'm just saying, like – To Nia Jax as, as a person – there's just not anybody else in the division that it's realistic. It's just, look at how they the use the big with. guys. Use that. Look at how they use the big guys in the men's rank, and that's the problem with having a wrestler like Nia Jax in the women's division. There's not enough big guys for her to you know be against. And the the other thing about using you know a, a big guy in the men's division is there's enough matches that those big guys can go out and interfere with or double team on or something like that. But the women's division is just kind of too small for that. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's my, that's this my match that. yeah. for a singles match is a weird matchup, and it was kind of boring to watch. And you know, so here we are. Nia Jax won, and uh, I, I actually had Sasha Banks on this because all the things we talked about at the top of this, this, uh, which is, uh, you know, Sasha Banks has a lot more. She she's a lot higher on the main roster, I think, for the women's division than anybody else, or than a lot of other women's wrestlers. So Plus, kind if of you're out of nowhere for me. Belt on Nia Jax, it doesn't make sense for Sasha to, to jog to, to her. No, it doesn't. No. 
Completely agree. So, all right. So, moving on to the main card, we're now at the the, the four o'clock opening. Um, we opened with Bailey versus Charlotte. Bailey versus Charlotte. That's right. Um, this match actually was a lot of fun. This match um, was fun. Uh. So Char- Charlotte actually has a similar problem in that she's an Amazon compared to most of the other women's division, but not. But it's not un- unrealistic it's not for unrealistic. the other competitors to beat her. Yeah, no. Um, she's Sauce not- has beaten her numerous times, although not on pay per view, which we'll talk about. But yeah, um, I I actually I thought both women uh, did really well during this match. The only thing is, is from a seasoned viewers point of view to me uh bailey still works a little soft for my yes. taste and uh, a little a little loose yeah there's there's a little bit more for bailey in terms of getting certain moves in or as the guys as the boys will say get your shit in yeah mm-hmm. um, during the match and bailey's shit doesn't always work that's the thing is is it's really dependent on who she's going up with that it's believable that her moves are actually She's a little of um so this match was a little bit sloppy. Like there were a couple of spots that didn't quite hit the way that I thought they should. And the other thing here is um <clears throat> we were talking about this during <coughs> excuse me, during the show. The women just generally speaking are fantastically lighter than the men. So when the men uh, you know land when when a guy that's 250 pounds lands on his back, it falls a way different way than when a 120 pound woman or man does. And so most of these girls are fantastically smaller. And so when we're talking about something like uh, Bailey versus Charlotte, Bailey needs to work stiff. And by that mean, I mean she needs to kind of land those punches a little bit more real than you do um, when you're uh, significantly larger than her, because otherwise they look like they don't have any you got impact. Two two fifty to three hundred plus pound guys that are in there and they can they can throw punches and pull them and and still sell them decently well you have women in here especially somebody the size of bailey it's it's a little bit more important that maybe that's that snug up a bit as 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 a little bit more. yeah just i'm just saying when you're when you're 120 pounds um it's a little bit hard to throw a punch even if you're putting all your weight behind that punch it's a little hard to throw a punch that lands and really sells the way that uh uh, you know these guys that are way bigger does bailey did about midway through the match, start snugging up, snugging up a little bit, and you could tell because you know Charlotte's mouth was bleeding by the yeah by the three quarters. I wonder through. if Charlotte told her to. I, I don't know if she told her to, or if it was just kind of like a, an unspoken deal. But um, it, it, you know, it, it wouldn't. The thing shock about Charlotte me. is you're pretty much not going to hurt her as long no, as you're, you're not, not being unsafe, and and she's she's okay with it. Um, what I'm going to tell you about this, and this is like. 100% legit straight up like Charlotte is a fucking athlete like she is oh yeah off the charts good she is probably the equivalent of uh I'm gonna say the rock when he started his rise after the nation of domination run that he had mm-hmm. just in terms of being uh third generation talent and and just picking up and just Taking everything it. that he does ends up looking like it was scripted that way um Charlotte's much the same way because she's legitimately good. Yeah, so Charlotte sort of leads the women's division. She basically wins every single pay-per-view. Like, when we were filling out this card, I was like, oh, Charlotte's in this thing. Uh, It's a pay-per-view. Charlotte wins. Period. And, of course, I wasn't wrong. Um, Yeah, I wasn't either. uh, I I bet against her just because she was 15-0 and at pay-per-views going into this, and, like, she's not the Undertaker, so I was assuming at some point she's got to be 
you taken know, down, and Bailey has enough of uh, a, a following. She's, she's over with the crowd yeah, to the point is. where it wouldn't have been unrealistic to me to think that Bailey would upset her and at it, the Rumble. And it was like my thing. I said I don't like. I told you. I said I don't see Bailey beating her. Say this time, next time. This was. To me, I feel story-wise, this would have been like a learning experience for Bailey going into Elimination Chamber or Mania. That's when I could see. I'm Bailey relatively winning. certain we're going to see these two again at WrestleMania. Oh yeah, and that wouldn't bother me at all. Like, don't get me wrong, I like ba- I like Bailey. Um, she she is over with the crowd, and I think there's a good reason for that. Um, but I think there's a reason why uh, they keep putting, you know, other other. Unlike somebody else we'll talk about at the end of this match or the end, the end of this pay-per-view, there is a reason I think they kept keep putting Charlotte over like this. And that's because she really is one of those wrestlers that makes everybody she's in the ring with look better. Um, and I saw that a lot tonight with Charlotte and Bailey. Um, Charlotte just is really talented uh, uh, from, and, and like you said, she's, she's an athlete. Um, the other thing is, you know, sheer physical size. Uh, she's probably one of the largest women in the women's division. You know, uh, Nia Jax is probably the only other one that I think is probably in the similar weight class. Um, and and I, she outweighs Charlotte. She's not as tall. Charlotte's very. Charlotte is built. Is the thing Charlotte's probably six foot, six foot one. Yeah, like Nia. Um, I don't know. I can't think of a sensitive way to say it, but she she's got a little bit more. Um, uh, she's girthy. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I'm, and I don't mean that. Like I said, it's not derogatory. She's she's a big girl. But like, if for example, uh, Charlotte showed up as an extra on Wonder Woman as as an Amazon. I'd buy that. Like, no question. Like, Charlotte looks to me like an Amazon. Um, But anyway, when you put her in the ring with somebody else, she, I think she helps make them look better. And I think that's one of the reasons why she keeps uh, getting put over so much by the WWE or getting a push from the WWE. The other thing I think that is, um, she sells really well. Charlotte's 5'10". I'm sorry. She's not six foot. Oh, she's as tall as I am. 5'10 for a girl is pretty tall. And, dude, no offense, but she's stronger than you. That's fine. (laughs) dude uh dude she could bench press you in the hottest way um so anyway uh you know i don't know she she's good like i i get it like it is a little bit frustrating sometimes to see somebody go like there's no question here when i when i was filling out this card this is one of the only things that i was like no question charlotte wins um it's a little bit frustrating to see that but also i kind of get it she she sells well she works well um she she's probably one of the women i think in the in the women's division that is one of the tightest you know technical wrestlers like she's one of the ones that does the best work um but on the other hand um there's a lot of other good women in the division and and it's kind of frustrating sometimes to see somebody so dominant here's here's what i'm going to say about charlotte there's a reason she was the last divas champion and the first women's champion yeah uh and this is nothing against Rick, but I think his time in front of the camera is done. Uh, it breaks my heart when I see him come out on Raw and I see Charlotte making him cry on camera, things like that. Like, yes, it's a work. It's a storyline, and I get it. Um, But that's not the Ric Flair we want to remember. No. And I think if she's going to carry on the legacy, you get him off TV. And you have Charlotte keep doing what Charlotte does, which is go out, win important matches, and just overall be 
everything that you want a women's wrestler, not sports entertainer, a women's wrestler to be, and that's what Charlotte is. Yeah, the final thing I'll say about Charlotte is if she wrestled men's division, I could see it. She'd be a cruiserweight, but uh, I could see it. China won the Intercontinental Championship, and it wasn't yeah. completely unbelievable when she did it. And No, same. Charlotte isn't that thick. She's not, but I think she's a better wrestler. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's the, that's the thing. I mean, and not taking anything away from China, because China was an athlete. Pure and no, simple, but... China definitely was. Um, is she a Hall of Famer? No. No. That's actually kind of sad, because she probably should be. Um, they... Because of the she, she actually went into hardcore porn later on. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember that. Kind of Triple H's big thing is like we can't have that when you you type in her name in a search engine, what's the first thing that comes up, and that's that. That's it. I I think she deserves a place in the Hall of Fame at some point. I don't know that it's going to be anytime soon, but then you know that is. I mean, that's a different topic for a different day. I'm just saying. It's hard to see a, a women's division that didn't have China somewhere in the beginning. She was super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's there's no doubt about what she did for like, the role of women in wrestling. Beth Phoenix wasn't, wasn't what Beth Phoenix was if no. China wasn't China first. Exactly. I think so. the women's division, three people that come to my mind, the women's division wouldn't be what it is without China, Trish Stratus, and Lita. Yeah. yeah. Like, hands yeah, that, down. They that, are the trailblazers. immediately who I would think of, too. And yeah. May Young, May Young started it all, and Fabulous Moolah. Johnny, Johnny May Young, that was what yeah. the name she went by originally. Yeah, yeah, May Young and Moolah. Fabulous Moolah started, and then you had the, the and, trio. And honestly, you and can't now... count out uh, Olander Blaze slash Medusa. No, that's she right. She was a pure wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, closely right behind there, it would be Molly Holly. Nice. And then so. behind Molly Holly, I'd say maybe Mickey James. Mickey is important. Like, uh, don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, like I said, she she wrestled, had a really uh, intriguing angle <laughs> with Trish, right? Uh, and then a hell of a run in TNA. She she did yeah. she did amazing things over at TNA. So uh, I can't discount anything that Mickey done. Mickey James has done. Ivory Jacqueline. Yeah, there's like, a there's been a the lot 90s, of them. the the late nineties, early two thousands crew that they had. Even Tori, not Tori Wilson, but Tori. Tori, yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, Tori Reynolds, yeah. Tori Reynolds, Terry Reynolds, Terry. Gold Dust wife, but Tori uh was the uh I love kn- triangle between like X Pac Kane. That's right. Yep. Yep. I so, remember that. Uh and these were all women that actually were in it for wrestling and not just to be like valets. And eye candy for the yeah. crowd. They Which, were in it because they loved to do it. Yep. Especially yep. at that time was I think a big deal because at that time mm-hmm. women's wrestling was a very I don't know. That's infantile thing. That's what made Trish so special was because Trish came in as a valet. She was arm candy for Test and Albert. Yep. Yep. Um, and then evolved over time. And then she she had a big angle with Vince where she was the mistress, and he made her bark like a dog and all that kind of stuff. And there's not a single great moments in women's lib. Yeah. There, everybody. Well, that's the funny thing is Trish will tell you there's not a single interview that she's ever done where she hasn't been asked about that, and she'll tell you straight up like that was what was best for her character at the time because when she did the turn and turned on McMahon and then went on and actually started wrestling and won the women's champion, like championship, that's the barking like a dog and being Vince's mistress. Like that was her all time low and it, it made it that much more satisfying. more satisfying for her to rise up from that and then become create what she created. The greatest women's champion of all time. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Okay, next match of the night. Uh, this is Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. This is for the Universal Championship. I did not fall asleep during this match. No. No, no which is <laughs> crazy because uh, it's a Roman Reigns match, and that's really generally hard to do during, what a, during a Roman Reigns match. Yeah. yeah, so here's the funny thing. Uh, like, um, I'm not really a seasoned wrestling, wrestling fan, and I've only come into this in the last six months. And when Reigns is on TV, the, especially the first part, I was like, why does everybody hate Reigns so much? And the thing that everybody hates about Reigns so much is... The WWE pushes him to its detriment. Like, what were we talking about the other day that told that where you were like, "Hey, I, I get it now." Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll find it on the text message. So, um, tell me about the match, and I'll go look for uh, what what uh, what we're talking about. Okay, here. so this is this is a, a no DQ match for the uh, WWE Universal Championship uh, with Chris Jericho suspended above the cage in a sh- or above the uh, ring in a shark cage, which was pretty much irrelevant except for the brass knuckles. Um, the shark cage has come into play over the last few weeks on Raw. In fact, again, like like I said, we haven't watched any of the programming, but I did watch um the Raw immediately following Roadblock, which was the last time we we podcasted about it. And the shark cage was in play then, so this has been a, a thing and now for th- five six weeks. And that's what I've heard. But if it's been in play for five or six weeks, you would think. When it came time for the show, that they would have come up with something a little better than just Chris Jericho throwing down brass knuckles to Kevin Owens. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he was going to escape it. Exactly. Like, and that didn't happen. I didn't really but... see how he was going to escape it, but going into this match, too, I thought the same thing. Like, what the what is the point of sticking him up in the cage if, if not to have some escape, some uh, sort of interference from Jericho? What they did, I think, was actually a little bit more important. We'll talk about that when we talk about the finish. Yeah. But, uh... And I did find the thing. Uh, yeah. So the thing was actually uh, the other day in the Arrow subreddit, we, we talked about the episode earlier where um, uh, Felicity one punches uh, Black Siren. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a commenter on Reddit said in the Arrow subreddit, you know, being hyperbolic, said um, a Googie McMahon says, uh, "Siren, you got to make Felicity Reigns look strong," which is uh, uh, she's got to take the punch and fall down because you got to make Reigns look good. And uh, then I said. Oh, and I I just got why everybody hates Reigns, which is because that's what the WWE kind of does with Reigns all the time, which is um, there's no reason that any of this shit makes sense. Again, we're going to talk about this a lot more when we get to the Royal Rumble. Um, But for some reason, the WWE really wants Reigns over. And so they just kind of cram him down our throats. And that's what makes him him really suck Uh, or at least suck from a fan point. Uh, Anyway, so anyway, uh, we're talking about Reigns and Owens. And uh, this match we liked, and the, the reason we brought this up is because Reigns' matches usually aren't uh, something that, uh, you know, fans are a big, you know, draw for, um, because Reigns isn't a great technical worker. Um, He's getting better. He is getting better. I will say... Um, Slowly. Wh- I can see... I can actually see growth of, from Reigns over the short period of time since I've come back to wrestling a little bit, which admittedly isn't even full-time. Like, just watching matches at pay-per-views, I think Reigns is is, is doing a lot better than he was um, when I started. Um, but, but on the other hand, uh, other side of things that they're giving him the place that they're giving him is kind of silly. Like if they let him progress naturally um, and, and, you know, really work from where his talents lie right now, um, it'd probably be a lot more believable if they wanted him to get over with the fans. A little yeah. Bit more. Here's the part that I'm having a hard time with. All right. So he was the U S champion. Yeah. All right. I get that. That's so a good spot for him to be in. It, it is. He lost the U S championship to Chris Jericho. 
and now all of a sudden he's the number one contender for, for the, the heavyweight title or yeah. the universal title as, as it is in this. And that's that's kind of what doesn't make sense to me. It's like, okay, you're coming off a loss for a minor title and now you're going to be the contender for the big title. They've done it before and obviously it's it's difficult. Um, it, the IC belt comes to mind. It's difficult because you got to drop that belt before you can really go on to the next one. But it's not like he was winning matches before. No, he really wasn't. You know, so... Um, yeah, it's, it, and he took that belt off of Rusev, who hasn't really been that impressive for the last no couple months anyway. So, so I will give him this though. Um, this match was really solid. So this is a no it DQ. Fun. It was a fun match to watch. No DQ match for the Universal Championship. Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. Um, gosh, uh, they set up a lot of tables. Um, there's a lot of hard landings in this match. Um, I think this is the match. Um, or was that the Rumble? Reigns got dropped on a table that didn't break. Uh, that was was that the rumble? That was no, that was this match. That Braun, was this match. That was when uh, Braun Strowman interfered. interfered. Yeah, okay. So we kind of given away the 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 end of the match there, but Braun Strowman came out and interfered with the match, which, not Jericho, me, which is a little weird. Exactly. It, it by I feel like that was where the cage could have come into play, the the shark cage, but nothing happened and it was just this see this is another weird thing about you know a reigns matches like reigns can't just lose like there's got to be some interference or something like that um and that's why he loses uh, you know that's not entirely true occasionally reigns does just lose but most often i i've seen so far there's some sort of interference which causes his loss and this one seemed a little weird and maybe that's because i haven't been watching like nightly with raw and smackdown and whatever um but uh I, I didn't even know where Braun Strowman was coming from here. I, I honestly, I haven't watched Raw either, so I really don't know where Braun Strowman was coming from. I feel like they could have ended the match when Jericho tossed down the brass knuckles, like I said. That's where we all thought Jericho was going to win it. Yeah. Would have made sense with the buildup with the shark cage and all that. Made sense. Braun Strowman coming in made no sense. Yeah, Braun Strowman was weird uh, in this match, uh, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, the but there were a lot of good spots in this in this match. So and, and both guys wrestled really well. Like as much as we give shit to Roman Reigns for not being able to work, um, I thought he did a really nice job in this match. Um, there was you know a couple of spots where uh, Kevin Owens set up this like weird chair, chair. pyramid, yeah, like early in the match, and. Uh, that kind of went throughout, but I, I, you know, really, if we're being honest, I think Kevin Owens took probably most of the big spots in this match. He took most of the big hits, with the exception of probably that chair or that table um, that Roman Reigns landed on. Uh, but like Owens set up those chairs, and he ended up going through those chairs, and that was that was sort of a that was a know, bad bump too. Th- that yeah, was, it a, was bad a bad bump. bump. That, uh, definitely. Sure. Um, I, what I'll tell you about Owens is that Owens has been doing this for probably twenty years now. Versus Reigns is yeah. Five. Wow. And so that doesn't surprise me. Um, and Braun Strowman's role, I heard you guys talking about that. Yeah. Uh, here's Braun Strowman's only role in that match. It was, again, to solidify that Kevin Owens needs help. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's it. That's kind of what I was they just saying. They had Jericho too. suspended in the, in, the, in the short cage, so he couldn't really be a factor other than he dropped the brass knucks in at one point. But. Um, and that could have been the finish. We actually, we all thought it was going to be the finish. The only reason I didn't think yeah. that was going to be the finish is because it was too early. Like uh, nobody, it, nobody it, had gone through the, the the pyramid of chairs yet. If, if they had saved it a little longer, that would have been fine to me. And I don't really think that Strowman needed to be involved in this. But that's another thing too. Like I kind of think the WWE wants Strowman to get over for whatever reason right now. 
Um, so they're including him in lots of ways like this. Like he, he's this enforcer character. Uh, um, and this match, I think, kind of you know solidifies it. But also the Rumble does, too. There was a lot of things in the Rumble that kind of made me think that they want Strowman to get over. Um, oh, and so they're using more him than like one a, reason. They're going to yeah. overdo it like they did with Ellsworth, though. Like Ellsworth, I was on board with using him like they were in SmackDown for a while, too, with the whole Dean versus AJ and having Ellsworth kind of yeah get some wins over AJ because Dean was pulling some shenanigans and whatnot. And then they started using Ellsworth like he was a legitimate player. Yeah. And it, and it just kind of got old. You know what I mean? And they're going to do the same thing with Braun Strowman. And it sucks because you got a guy that's Braun Strowman who is a physical specimen. They kind of already are. in the same league as, as James Ellsworth, who's obviously not a physical specimen unless you're looking for weird, skinny, turtle-looking dudes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, to the turtle people out there. Our yeah. bad. Um, uh, but this match was a fun match to watch. Like it, it had some spots in it. Uh, there was some spots where we're just like, Hey, this is going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And they twisted things around a little bit. Um, it kept us guessing surprise. And that's what surprised me out of a Roman Reigns match. Yeah. So the thing here is, um, and this made me appreciate Owens a lot more. Owens is one of the type of wrestlers that I think they can really make the other guy look good. And, and Reigns needs that. Like he's not a good enough wrestler at this point that he he can really um, carry a match, carry a match. And so I, I think being paired with a guy like Owens is good for Reigns uh, because Owens can really help make him look good. And I thought that was probably the biggest thing. Number one, Reigns did a fine job with this match. But number two, as I was watching, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm not sure that this is Reigns really wrestling super well or this is really just Kevin Owens making Reigns look good. Um, no, I think Reigns contributed to this match. I mean, as, as he he did. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm but... not I'm not going to shit on him for this match, especially because it 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 ended up being a really entertaining match. So, um, Bailey is a yeah, that, trained wrestler. That that wasn't a dig against Reigns so I, much as it was a compliment to Owens. Like yeah. Owens Owens makes other guys in the ring look good, and I think that's that's I, a talent. I don't think he did what Reigns what AJ has done. Oh no! You know what I mean. AJ AJ is kind of a league above, I think, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, so Ryan is is a is a trained wrestler. Like he's he's been a professional wrestler before. Um, I've been watching for 32 years, and both of us were kept guessing through a good portion. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a pretty strong compliment to the match. And it doesn't take. I mean, it takes more than more than one guy to carry that to that no point. don't get me wrong so. i'm not i wasn't i wasn't necessarily saying that owens is carrying this match i was saying though that i noticed that owens is a guy that does a good job making the other guy look good he does although i will he say reigns nasty bumps to do it yeah that's that's, oh, that's yeah. a big part of it owens took some nasty bumps in this match um but i will give i will definitely give reigns some props on this like this is probably the best i've seen reigns wrestle and don't get me wrong i haven't been watching a whole long time so that's not a hu- super huge compliment that you should really take to the bank or anything uh, but uh, uh, Reigns Reigns had a really solid match uh, uh, on this one, and like I said, we were really really pleased with this pay per view, and this match was actually probably one of the surprises. I think I wasn't really looking forward to this match going into it, but I really enjoyed watching it, uh, and I won't quite give it the match of the night because we're gonna talk about that in just a second. But it was super good. It'll be more than a second because we got another match to talk about before that. But I yeah. do we? Yeah. yeah, we do. I will say that I did have KO going over. In the oh yeah, I, yeah, I also had KO going over. I did not. I, I actually kind of thought that they were going to try to get Reigns over a little bit more, and I was wrong. Well, they did. It just wasn't in this match. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. Anyway, 
So uh, the next match, I know what we're talking about now. Okay, Neville versus Rich Swan for the Cruiserweight Championship. Also a super good match. This um, match was a lot of fun. This it match was. really was. So one of the things is... I think it's two guys I don't really give a shit about. No, um, I didn't really know Rich Juan going into this match at all, but man, is he athletic. Like, uh, he was doing some moves. Like, this is one of the things that's fun about the cruiserweights is that they just generally are more acrobatic and do things that are a little bit more technically proficient and interesting um, from a physical standpoint than than the main title guys. And this match was sort of exemplary uh, of that. Like, um, Rich Swan especially impressed me with, um, I guess, the way that he performed. So. One of these times, I'm actually going to have you guys watch the Cruiserweight uh, Challenge. The Cruiserweight the, Open? The, whatever it was, yeah. Um, I watched some of it. I, I showed you a couple matches. Yeah, I saw like three matches. Um, but uh, Rich Swan I was familiar with from, from the Cruiserweight uh, Challenge thing that they did. And it... I, Neville Neville was around, but he was injured. I guess during the time that they were doing that whole cruiserweight thing, yeah, on the network, um, and so he kind of had to come back, and and then all of a sudden he was he entered himself into the cruiserweight division because Neville was actually competing with anybody else before the cruiserweights were a division again. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I think now that the cruiserweights are a division, it gives uh, people like him a really really great place to be. Um, Austin Aries, who's been on commentary lately, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, Ryan I can't and I talked about. Wait for him to come he's, back. Oh he's my on God. injury reserve right now, but when he comes back from injury, he's going to be an amazing asset to the cruiserweight division. He, in fact, he's probably going to grab that belt pretty quick. Yeah, I hope it's him and Kendrick. That would be in, sweet. A, in, a, in a rivalry for that because that's that would that, be that would be a great uh, great setup. But this How was Kendrick Neville. Still doesn't have the belt. Sad. Neville versus uh, Rich Swan. Uh, for the championship, I had Neville going over in this. I had. So did I. I did not. I had Rich Swan. Okay. Um, none of us really had any background on this rivalry. Yeah, I just nope. wrote a name down. Yep. So, uh, it was just kind of a matter of, well, who do we know? What's going on? M- me, I was strictly going off the fact that this title has changed hands so many goddamn times that I just wanted to. S- I just wanted to s- stick on somebody for a while two three months and just have it run you know i kind of think i kind of think that that's the, the point though like um they're trying to get people interested in the cruiserweight they're doing it in a lot of different ways and i think one of the ways that they're doing it or trying to do it is by um making each match like a will they won't they who's gonna win sort of thing rather than a like going into like the complete opposite of bailey versus charlotte going to this bailey versus charlotte i was like no question charlotte wins period and uh i think with the the cruiserweights they want it to be a little bit more open I, i think they want to uh swap the belt every couple of matches because they want you to go in guessing the thing is too these guys um i don't see as much of a clear dominant player as i do in any of the other divisions i'll be honest with you they do a lot for the cruiserweight division on 205 live which happens after smackdown on tuesday nights yeah uh my issue is this if i'm watching regularly which i have not been lately but if i am then i'm watching monday night raw for three hours on mondays I'm watching SmackDown for two hours on Tuesdays. Then I'm watching whatever pay-per-view happens to be every other week, whether it's the Raw pay-per-view or the SmackDown pay-per-view. Yeah. 205 is another hour-long show that happens on a night that I'm already five hours into my wrestling week by the time it happens. Mm-hmm. NXT, the same thing. 
I worked the other night in my office until 10 o'clock and I, and I actually had plenty of opportunity where I could have thrown that on my second screen while I was doing my other stuff um, and watch it. I didn't. And it's because there's already so much programming out there that it makes it hard to justify, okay, I'll spend another hour watching the cruiserweights. Now I'll spend another hour watching, you know, the, the NXT guys do that. I mean, it, it's a part-time job to catch all the wrestling pr- content in a week. Almost full time, like yeah. that's that's yeah. that's how much it's there is. Ridiculous. Um, and if you watch other brands, like Impact Wrestling is still out there, mm-hmm. formerly TNA Wrestling. There's Ring of Honor out there that you can catch in syndication. There's New, There's Japan. New Japan Pro Wrestling, which is now it's several weeks behind by the time we get it. But honestly, it's Jim Ross and AJ Barnett on commentary for the for the American broadcasts. So, oh my god, you know, yeah, like it. There's so much content out there, and like uh, Flow Sports just came out with Flow Slam uh, Wrestling, which is a streaming network similar to the WWE Network, but it's it's non it's in it's more indie stuff that they do, which can sometimes be better. It can be. Um, it, there's so much content. Although Flow Slam is like twenty or twenty five bucks a month, which I mean, when you when you weigh that out, like. That's a lot. I mean, yeah. you can get two or three Netflix for that, or versus the WWE two network, networks, which is ten yeah. bucks. Yeah, you know, it's like, do I pay ten bucks a month and have access to all the stuff that I'm familiar with and all the pay per views ever in history, or do I pay twenty bucks a month for guys that I've seen once? Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to make that call, um, and that's kind of we'll talk about this a little bit later on. Um, it's. Flow Slam and, and WWE are already kind of a little bit at odds with one another, even though WWE is a minor investor in Flow Slam. Um, and I'll explain that later on. But yeah, it's just the cruiserweights, they're hard for me to invest in because we get one, maybe two matches a week on Raw. I think only one, really. And the rest of the time it's on pay-per-view or on 205 Live. And I just, I don't have the time in my schedule to say, okay, I'm going to watch 205 Live now. Now, yeah. one of these weekends, I might sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to watch all of this stuff to get caught up on whatever the storylines are. But then whether or not I stay caught up on is going to be entirely dependent on whether or not I, A, have time, and B, whether or not the stuff that I've watched over the last several weeks has been... I think they could probably cut some bullshit on the main programming to get the cruiserweights in there. That's kind of yeah. my thing, is why move it? So, number one, it's and, on Tuesday nights after SmackDown. Well, that's what we thought they were going to do, was cut the bullshit on Ross to put in the cruiserweights and they haven't done it yet they made it their own show they get one match and it's five six minutes something like that and then you put it you put 205 line on uh 205 live on after smackdown and now your smackdown audience that's going live is already invested for a two-hour show and then they're like "Eh, we could stay for another hour because it's going to be included with the price of the same ticket you're not going to buy a separate ticket for 205 live they don't do that that's not how they work and yeah that's a really weird placement too like um why why not have that at the beginning if you're going to stay for smackdown it should like if you're going to do that it should the cruiserweight should be the opener and not the 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 closer but mm-hmm. the the catch behind 205 live is that it, it is a live show yeah you know and i think it's the only live show besides the pay-per-views that's actually on the network yeah weird that's true so i get the draw behind that I just don't understand why you're putting somebody in a, in a position where they're like, I came to SmackDown. I have to work in the morning. There's another hour. Do I stay? 
<laughs> or do I go? You know what I mean? That's that's the hard part. Is like, if it's me, of course I stay because I'm in it for the content. But like, if I'm average Joe, you know, with my wife and kids and whatnot waiting and, at home, or maybe my wife and kids are there with me and they have school the next day, and your kid's the only one that wanted to go and see the pay per view, right? Yeah. So it's it's tough. Um, All right, let's move on to our this next was match. A fun match. Neville went over. Yeah. We should mention that. Neville went over. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that was a hell of a digression. It was uh, a yeah, fun but... match to watch, though. It was. It was. It was. Uh, I think one of the spots that wasn't really even a spot, it happened right in the beginning, was, what the hell's his name? Swan did, like, a front flip instead of a sunset flip over Neville. Oh, yeah. That, that was, was, that like, was so cool. Yeah. Fuck? Yeah. 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 No, it it was good, and I don't want to take anything away from the match. I just think this is a story that could be easily continued on Monday Night Raw tomorrow night instead I, of having to tune into a separate show. Completely. And I think there was a thing on this match that said how many, what was it, how many times they go off the top rope. They didn't do that once. I, I saw a top rope move like once the entire time. So they did, they for I think sure did it went once. Off the top rope, and I think it was at the beginning. I think okay. you're correct, yeah. Yeah. But that's surprising to see cruiserweights and them not go off the top. And refreshing at the same time. Because yeah, it was a good match. Exactly. With very little high risk involved. Movements. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Next match. And this is the match that I'm def- definitely calling the match of the night John Cena versus AJ Styles for the any question. WWE no, oh, no. Championship. No. I was going to go with Royal Rumble on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. Um Cena's come back. He's he's been gone for a little while, I think. I think is this his first match back or No, he's had some matches mm-hmm. I think on SmackDown, but this is this is his first major pay-per-view since he, he walked away for a little while. Yeah. Um and AJ Styles has had a phenomenal debut year for the WWE. Um they remind you of that during the commentary several times. Uh but it's completely uh, uh without uh uh any sort of embellishment I think by the WWE's part. AJ Styles is legitimately probably one of my favorite performers in the WWE right he, now. He he's taken the WWE by storm. There's no oh, doubt yeah. about it. He he is legit like one of the best workers I think that they've got. He sells really well. He's good on a mic uh, i mean he's just I, one of their top performers bar I'm gonna none go you one further i'm gonna say aj styles is legitimately one of the best workers that the wwe has ever had yes easily okay that's fair probably yeah he's i mean whether he's winning whether he's not winning uh he is capable of going out night after night and making the audience believe in AJ Styles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We were talking about this, and this came up several times during this match. The trouble with having AJ be a heel is that it's just too goddamn hard not to like him. Yes. He's too good. Yeah, yeah. He, he's just too good. He, Especially he is, when you have him at SummerSlam go over John Cena clean. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and and have that not feel cheap. Like, yeah. he, um, he, he's a good worker. Like, when he goes out there, he's amazing to watch. And he does interesting things almost every match I've ever seen him in. Um, which, admittedly, not a lot. He's been around a long time. But in my time, limited, uh, limited time since I've been back watching wrestling, he is one of the standout guys for me. Yeah. Um, okay, secondarily, John Cena. Um, John Cena has a big career with the WWE at this Former point. Former 15-time champion, world champion, John Cena. Yeah, 
he's not as amazing a as a wrestler i think as aj is like one of the things that was interesting watching this match is cena did some things that were really um sort of out of his normal uh dance card i would John say cena very has out. gotten a lot of shit over his his time uh because he's a lot of people like to compare him with Hulk Hogan that he doesn't have a huge move set. Okay, so yeah. there's this there's this daunting thing in wrestling that you have and Shawn Michaels got it later on in his career of the five move just that's it. Get your shit in kind of thing and that's what you stick to. Yeah. John Cena was one of those guys. You had the five knuckle shuffle, you had the F five or the F U or not F five, F U slash A A and then you had the S T F and Five knuckle shuffle, and yeah, what else? No, he had a couple. He had two others, and I can't remember what they were. He doesn't do them anymore. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm not. I'm... But he had the five moves of death, same as Hulk Hogan. Shawn Michaels had it later in his career, and that's just what he stuck to, and that was his bread and butter forever. Shawn Michaels, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to give you quite that one with Shawn Michaels well, because Shawn I Michaels say way later into more of a Ric Flair character where he would sell, 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 win. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, didn't really matter what his moveset was. He just he spent the entirety of the match selling almost, and then he would go over at the end. But he always hit those five moves. He did. He did. Uh, same and, thing with Ric Flair with his with his figure four and his yeah, and that's what know, I'm saying. Like face the f- first flop onto the mat, yeah. and whatever else, which is almost a wrestling move these days. If you do it right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'll give you that. Uh, Cena, Cena has not been known over the last fourteen years. I think he's been around now. Yeah, uh, for his moves, like his repertoire yeah. of of wrestling moves and whatnot. Um, but God damn it, tonight, yeah, he was on. That's yeah. a huge preface to say this match throw that thought out the window a little bit because he did hit his moves like for the most part I, i'll say he did hit his moves uh, um but there was a lot of things that were really interesting outside of that normal move set that we saw from him tonight like i can't remember exactly what it was but it was like this weird sort of um that flip slam thing that he did flip slam yeah so aj running towards cena uh, Cena flips over top of him and goes for what looks like a roll up, but it was more like a slam. Um, that was super fucking cool. Like they could have easily have just made that a sunset flip, and as fans, we probably would have been just as happy with that. Cena but doesn't he came off the ground. Yeah, yeah, like... and that was what was even more impressive. <laughs> that that was definitely through through this pay per view. That was one of the, like we were just sitting around going, holy shit, did you, like, oh my god, like, we were yelling at the TV, it was such a did, cool move. Did, and the thing about John Cena is, pound for pound, he's fucking Huge. strong. Like, the guy is so physically intimidating, and there was several moments in the in the thing um, during the match where he just legitimately picks up AJ Styles, like, and it's not dead Deadlifts him, just, just yeah. Nothing. There was a mom- there was a moment. This is a another thing with Cena that I kind of called a little bit. Like we were watching, I think this trade off of submission moves, which yeah. w- which is also really super interesting. They went through this trade off mm-hmm. where they did three or four submission moves uh, uh, back to back to back on each other. And there was a moment where I was like, okay, this is the moment where Cena just fucking picks him off, picks him up, and slams him. And the arm and bar. they did, yeah, the arm bar. Um, and the only thing, the only thing that would have been more impressive about that to me is if he'd done it one armed, and I honestly believe he could have. He could have easily. It's probably true, yeah. Um, so 
but anyway, even still, <laughs> that that that's a ridiculously cool thing um, that you know it takes a it takes a athlete like Cena to be able to do, um, and it was super fun to watch. So. It, it's kind of like when you used to put guys in matches with the Undertaker before the Undertaker got as as old as he is, and I don't mean that like again, I'm not being derogatory toward the yeah Taker, age happens. It's kind of a thing. Yeah, it it does, and but I mean it's that it's that physically imposing Kane was the same way like yep. you put him in there Kane's still kind of that way he's huge still especially for as long as he's been doing this uh but yeah just just Cena's so massive like especially like just... relative to his actual size like he's not a big guy like Braun Strowman or something like that or, or like Kane or Undertaker like he's just fucking strong like he's just hugely strong he's one of those refrigerator shaped guys that just holy shit like when he comes out there you can see the power in him yeah yeah I'm uh, I'm more of a fan of John Cena and 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 honestly more of a fan of AJ Styles than I was before this match and I wasn't not a fan of either one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've always respected what John Cena has done. His John, I've always respected John Cena's work ethic into what he puts out. John Cena carried WWE for probably twelve to thirteen years as as the top babyface in the company, and that's a pretty much, that's almost his entire career, which is pretty insane. Just about like John Cena has been a thing just about as long as I haven't been watching wrestling. Yeah, um, so I missed John Cena's entire run almost, and uh, he gets some shit. Like he does get some shit, and I think that is like you were saying because he he's kind of got the five move thing going. I didn't um, hear nearly the boost tonight though. No, I have there in the past there wasn't any. I don't think I even heard one. But but that's he because he was fucking phenomenal tonight. Like yeah, uh, no, sorry even, to steal from AJ Styles, out, but even, even when he came, he came out, out, the crowd the was going. And stuff, usually the crowd boos him. It's like I, half and half kind of a thing where it's like I didn't hear a boo from start to finish. Yeah, since he came out nothing. He's I, I, a lot more over than I think he has been in a long time. Yeah, I think I think the crowd's turning around for him, which is good because uh, I think he he's kind of earned it. Like I think he he um, is one of those guys that uh, pretty soon, whether he's heel or face, which let's face it, John Cena is probably going to be face for a while. Um, he's going to get some. He's going to get a pop from the crowd. Heel. I don't think he ever yeah. will. Yeah, it, it, there's no point in it. it. It would be like turning Goldberg heel at this point. They tried to do it in WCW. Didn't work. It didn't work. There's it no reason for three it. Three weeks and he was not a heel anymore. Yeah. You know? So, uh, I mean, I could see him doing like a Stone Cold Steve Austin thing where he's kind of a heel, but he's not. I don't. I don't see him doing that, even that. Well, they, Steve Austin, he's, I mean, he's Steve like Austin is actually one of the one of the people that actually opened my eyes to what John Cena really is. And uh, listening to him talk about John Cena and watching him work is one of the things that i was just like you know what he's right cena is carrying this company on his back right now and has been for 10 years or whatnot you yeah know, this was back when i was first starting to listen to uh, steve austin's podcast and i'm just like man that's that's eye-opening when you when you listen to a guy who had the company in mm-hmm. the palm of his hand for so long and he's just like no john cena like watch john cena like the guy is legitimately the guy i, I don't he think is the guy yeah i don't mm-hmm. think that's wrong there's few guys i think in the wwe that carried nearly the name recognition that john cena does no john cena learned mandarin to go to china and recruit their first mandarin or their first uh chinese nxt star as well as start development over there wow damn Wow. And he didn't just go learn phrases like he's near fluent in Mandarin now. And that's 
hard because Mandarin is essentially the, the hardest I mean, language on the planet. Yeah, to, learning a second learn. language is ridiculous anyway. So yeah, and John Cena's forty. So yeah. I mean, to go out and learn Mandarin to the point where he can understand Mandarin if somebody speaks to him, that's insane. Yeah, like it. It just it. It's what. It, it speaks to what his work ethic really is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's like. I, while I say I don't really like his in-ring, like his in-ring ability, the last 10, 15 years that he was doing it, wasn't a big fan of, but his work ethic, I've always been huge I'll tell you, on. man, I'm about two years away from his debut in my in my watch through, and I'm actually kind of looking forward to it now. Really? Yeah. Nice. Well, just because I know that I also have some solid Kurt Angle gold coming up, too. So. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> you do. All right. But- so, uh, yeah, that's the match of the night. If you catch one from this evening, I would catch that one. And, and you know, it's kind of funny because this is the Royal Rumble, but you could probably skip the Royal Rumble itself and, and pick up that match. And I think you'd probably get the most out of it. So on that note, that cheerful uh, uh, segue, let's talk about the Royal Rumble itself. All right, everybody. Have a good night. No. Yeah. Peace out. We're gone. <laughs> no. uh, not quite. It wasn't quite that bad, but it. It could it have turned turns. into a lot more of a clusterfuck than it was, but there was a few moments in here that, uh, you know, I don't think we really need to go blah, blah, blah on this match. Um, there's a few things that I want to talk about that I think are a little bit let's, really kind of stupid on let, the WWE's let's, let's part. Let's talk about our, our, our pick'em challenge sheet here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, who did you have going in? Goldberg. I had Goldberg as well. Okay, I had Taker. Yeah, my runner-up. No, I had Goldberg. My I had Goldberg is winning. Everything else was pretty much Brock Lesnar. Okay. The runner-up yeah. runner was Lesnar. Runner-up, longest, longest time, time spent was Lesnar. And most eliminations was Lesnar. So, I gave most eliminations to Goldberg, but otherwise, t- totally on. Yeah. I, I had Taker for the win. I had runner-up Goldberg. I had most eliminations Goldberg. I had longest time spent Lesnar. Uh, and I had Sami Zayn as shortest time spent. I lost on all of those. Yeah, I lost on all yeah. of those as well. So here's the thing. Uh th- this rumble got weird around the time the big show came out yeah big show hasn't been wrestling for a while um came back in for this match i think that's right right hasn't been wrestling for a while yeah no he's yeah. not he's not really a fixture on tv these days he came no. back in he was in for like four minutes and got eliminated by braun Strowman in, yeah. in a really uh in a situation a, a, where don't get me wrong a very impressive braun Strowman, but he's not the big show still the no. big show is in the best shape of his entire life Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is like Big Show came in at a time in the match where you needed the big guy to take out the big guy. And that big guy was the big show to take out Braun Strowman. Yeah, and it didn't happen. That was what was a little bit ridiculous. Like I, the entire point I thought of them bringing the big show in at this point was to take out Braun Strowman. And instead, like two minutes later, uh, Strowman knocked show over the ropes in, in a completely... Uh, you know, needless <laughs> laissez-faire kind of laissez-faire fashion. sort of yeah. fashion. It it was entirely um the opposite of epic. Um, just as lackadaisical as possible. Uh, so that was kind of the first like what the fuck moment for me in in the rumble. Um, the whole rest of the rumble up until we get to like competitor number twenty five is fairly lackluster. No, we have. I'm gonna I'm gonna point out a couple key moments. Jack Gallagher. Okay, that was interesting. Yes. I'll give you that. Jack Gallagher shows up with an umbrella. Who uh, crosses Jericho with the umbrella and then opens it and, and twists spins it around. around. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, so we had a little bit of a little bit of showmanship there, and that's what Jack Gallagher is. If you if you actually watch him uh, wrestle on Two Hundred Five Live, or if you uh, go to the Cruiserweight Classic and watch him there. Uh, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend if you're if you're ever gonna watch uh, Cruiserweight wrestling and Jack Gallagher in specific, start with the Classic first. 
then move on to 205 Live because you're going to get a, a sense of who Jack Gallagher is. He's a showman, pure and simple, um, and, and fun. Uh, in fact, when he got eliminated, he had... The umbrella. I called this, too. Yeah. He Mary Poppins his I way called... right out of there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe we tweeted something to that effect that Mary Poppins was eliminated. Yeah. It was it was funny. Actually, that was a good bit. That was actually a good bit in the Rumble. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay, what was your other point you were going to say? Uh, Jericho. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. The entire match. Entry number two, number two into the Rumble. And he was there until almost the end. And whether it was hiding out, but peeking his eyes over the edge of the apron every once in a while, just so people still knew he was there, or what have you, like, he kept entertaining the entire time. And yeah. just his facial expressions, anything, and every now he'd make his little cameo appearance, dip somebody out. I actually wonder if Jericho got... How many and how many? I don't we didn't know count if Jericho's eliminations. Got, I don't think even he got, got that an many, elimination, but he did. He got two at least. Yeah, because he threw he over. He threw over. Uh, I think he might have thrown over Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah, he was one of those. Yeah, uh, he but, helped. I think. Yeah, you're but, right. But I mean, just just the fact that he was there and keeping the audience engaged. Because uh, I know that when the Rumble match itself got a little bit boring. Jericho. I found myself looking for him on the out on outside because I knew he was outside because he had doing something. He'd yeah. gone through the middle rope, so he wasn't eliminated, but he was on the outside of the ring a good portion of the time. That happened. Um, so the, when the match got a little bit boring, it honestly, happened quite a lot. Like there was quite a lot. I mean, for most of the rumble, we get we had ten or eleven guys in the ring. And we're just like, okay, so Goldberg's got to come in and eliminate people, or Lesnar's got to come in and eliminate. Yeah, people. I or think from, we were, come by in. the time we got around to like guy number eighteen or something like that, it was kind of like we were just waiting for some big moment to come clear the ring because for most of the time there was like ten or eleven guys uh, just kind of laying around in the ring. Like, first off, don't don't misunderstand when you have that many guys in the ring, it's really hard to work. Like, it there's is. just too many people there, and it's really hard to showcase any one or two guys at a time. So half the time the guys were just laid out and I was like, okay, they're going to come clear the ring and they're going to, you know, uh, uh, um, bring this down a little bit so you can really focus on the wrestling. And that never happened. Um, it didn't start to happen until we get to like guy number 26 or something like that. And that was, and once we got there, it just got more disappointing. Lesnar came in, knocked a couple guys out of the he ring. He knocked out right three people. Yeah. Just boom, boom, boom. But then, kind of stagnated for a little while yeah. then goldberg comes in well what happened with lesnar was he should have been the guy that was throwing people over but instead he was laying out suplexes and f5s leaving pe- yeah. leaving people he, laying he on the floor waste, but he only eliminated a couple guys yeah he only yeah. eliminated three yep. people and it, goldberg comes in and, and they honestly this was perfect this part of it was perfect because goldberg comes in treats lesnar exactly like he treated him at survivor it, series yes Spear. Knocks him out, yeah. Eliminates him, like Nothing. period. Like he's only in there with, like Lesnar Goldberg, is about ten seconds worth of Royal Rumble, worth yeah, of Royal Rumble, um, and puts Goldberg exactly in the position where he left Survivor Series, and pretty much sets up, I think, WrestleMania, WrestleMania. yeah, because because Lesnar's gonna want his revenge. He's probably gonna get it at Mania, he unless will. they're really really done with treating him like the monster. And ready to get rid of him and go somewhere else, yeah, which is possible. And honestly, I'm not going to have my feelings hurt if Goldberg ends up undefeated over Lesnar. Period. True for, career, for his career, he'd be the only one to do it. Yeah, so, 
and it'd be kind of a good setup for Goldberg anyway. But um, so but I don't think Goldberg's around that long. So no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna do. I mean, he's he's around through Mania, but they're not in much that. Longer. It's weird because they're in that same spot that they were at WrestleMania twenty, where they don't know if Goldberg's gonna stick around. They don't know if Lesnar's gonna stick around. Well, it's the problem like, with WrestleMania twenty is we all knew neither one of them were. So nobody exactly. Gave a shit. But then Goldberg's like, oh, I might stay around. So they gave Goldberg the win. They Goldberg's were still got a year and a half left on a three year deal. So. Yeah, and we see, know that. That's like, what that's I'm wondering about. Like, I, I don't get like the only way. Um, what I think really determines who wins at WrestleMania is which guy's going to stick around longer. Because I don't think either guy has like another ten years in the career. Like Lesnar's on his way out. I think Goldberg's only back is sort of like a flash in the pan sort of thing. He's not going to be around in three years probably. Um, and I, I so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be an interesting match. It, it but, almost doesn't even matter though because Goldberg has treated Lesnar like a bitch. It twice in the last six months now. Mm-hmm. He he went over at WrestleMania twenty, mm-hmm. which was thirteen years ago. Yeah. So even if Lesnar takes out Goldberg at this year's WrestleMania and that's the end of the story, Goldberg still wins. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's just it's like, hard to sell your monster when he eked out a victory at the end. At the end of fifteen years worth of rivalry or what have you. Yeah. It's kinda of like the Rock versus Stone Cold where they've only wrestled each other three times at Mania. Mm-hmm. And Stone Cold's like, I've still beaten you twice. Yeah. You only beat me the one time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that that happens. So uh Lesnar comes in, cleans out a little bit, uh, and doesn't really clean out many guys. He eliminates three, which at this point is it was a pretty quick pace. Like we hadn't been eliminating guys too quickly up until now um but then kind of stalls he delivers a lot of suplexes and uh lays waste to the ring but not really a whole lot of eliminations goldberg comes in next i think there's a spear lesnar goes over um as an over the top rope out of the ring and gets eliminated uh what are we at that's 28 i think yeah 29 was 28 was like enzo or something like that he got eliminated fastest in the entire rumble yep yep and then uh 29 i think is taker 29 taker comes out yep he eliminates some guys including all of them yeah goldberg like three i think yeah i think he eliminated three including goldberg you're right yeah. yeah so here's our three big guys like we picked goldberg lesnar and undertaker and of those three guys two of the guys had almost no time in the rumble got eliminated really quickly that's lesnar and goldberg and then we have taker come out and he uh uh it, you know did, uh, again lays a little bit of waste to the ring eliminates some guys our number 30 guy so here we are all excited because we're thinking our number 30 guy's got to be somebody special our number 30 guy has to be you know we're in texas stone colds from texas what if he and they were already hyping up you know stone colds won the most rumbles he's got three rumbles to his belt and so we're thinking man wouldn't it be cool if they brought out stone cold wouldn't it be cool if they brought out you know anybody 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 is the answer here like normally there's one if not two or three gimmick entries into the yeah not not gonna lie i kind of had my hopes set on kurt angle too kurt angle recent uh wwe that was my number one pick i was really hoping that we saw something like either a stone cold come out when his fourth rumble solidify his legacy or uh have kurt angle come out solidify himself as a a uh, hall of famer and maybe even begin a small run because i think we've got a lot of rumors that angle's going to come back and do a small run for the wwe not positive um so i'm thinking kurt angle Steve Austin, either one of those is going to be awesome. Nope. Roman fucking reigns. Uh, and I yeah. think at this time, wasn't Chris Jericho still active? 
Yes. And that was where, after we saw Taker get eliminated, and we said, are you fucking kidding me? No, Taker wasn't eliminated. Reigns was eliminated by Taker. Or uh, other way around. Taker was was eliminated by by Reigns. And at that point, Jericho was still active in the ring. And we were like, are you fucking kidding me? It was like Jericho, Bray Wyatt. No, uh, Jericho, Jericho, Bray Wyatt, Randy Randy Orton, and and Roman Reigns. Reigns. Jericho went out first. Uh, Bray Wyatt went out next. But when Taker went out, that's when we all went, Jericho might actually win this thing because it's the only other guy in the ring right now that makes fucking sense to win. Yeah. yeah. Like, and, and, and then, of course, we're all kind of sitting there. Now, now. so here's the thing. At this point in the Rumble, we're all sitting there going, well, what the fuck? Like, we're all sitting there going, are they really going to give this thing to Reigns? Like, fuck these people. They're, they're really going to give this to Reigns? Like, he ha- uh, we don't want to see Reigns win at all. All of the other theories we had going in our head are so much more interesting. And uh, so, uh, Bray Wyatt goes, or Jericho gets eliminated. And we're like, well, that's dumb. Because now, you know, that's the one guy we yeah. have left in the ring that w- makes any sort of sense. Uh, Bray Wyatt goes next. And so now we're setting it up with Reigns and Orton. And we're we're all sitting here kind of like, oh my god, they're gonna give this to Reigns like again, again. What the fuck? Uh, however, fortunately at this point, um, Orton takes the thing. Uh, Orton Thank eliminates god. Reigns, and we all kind of breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. Uh, but still, but I don't. Then we're just like, where did we go? Yeah, from here? yeah. But exactly. what's the, what was the point of this? Like, why? Why? Like, don't um, get me wrong. Happy for Randy. Yeah, Randy Orton, not a bad guy. He's not a guy that I don't I mind winning the Rumble. It's just that there's not a lot of story there. Um, so that's kind of where I'm there's, curious about. Other than him and what, Bray Wyatt. Bray, no, what's the other Luke guy? Harper. Luke Harper. There was a moment of tension between uh, uh, the Wyatt family, Luke Harper, Bray Wyatt, and Randy Orton. And I think that ends up in Luke Harper's elimination through some double-crossing yeah. shenanigans. Yeah. Well, um, he went after Bray. Yeah. He went after Bray, and he gets eliminated, I think, by Randy Orton. Um, yeah. So there, there's a continuation of that, but the whole thing was just like, man, I, I'm not, I'm not really sure what the point of this was. Bring in guys like Goldberg, Lesnar, and Undertaker, and have them go out in like four seconds. Uh, I don't know what we just did. Yeah. Yeah. It. It's uh, really big show, hard. of course. Too big show was probably the most egregious of the whole thing. It's really hard to to look at this as anything other than a. Hey, you guys thought Roman was going to win, but here you go. Here's something else. Yeah, we're going to toss you a bone because we know you don't want that. Yeah. I I just, it's it's such an incredible waste of talent to have Taker, Goldberg, Goldberg, and Lesnar in the same Rumble, and neither, like, and and Chris Jericho. And Jericho. Yeah, and none of them, none of them actually win. Um, we we were I think all waiting for this point in the match. Even the crowd by by uh, around guy number twenty three or twenty four, um, the crowd just every single time that countdown Goldberg. started Goldberg. This because we were waiting for somebody to come clear the ring, and that just never happened. This does make me wonder if Taker really is going to have to have surgery. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the I only- almost wonder if that was the plan. And then all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, uh, boss, I gotta I can't I can't I WrestleMania, hit, yeah." You know? kind of a thing and then they they had to change things up a little bit but man like i just i think they could have gone a little bit stronger with with how they handled I think this to get lesnar versus uh goldberg at wrestlemania you can't have one of those guys win no but taker would have been the obvious choice other than that again here's my thing and i have i've been really 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 careful not to badmouth uh taker throughout this whole thing but he's looking old 
He is. Did, I mean, and legitimately, like, the look on his face during some of that rumble, did he not look scared? He did. But I think part of that might have been he could have been nervous for his hip. Uh, that's that's my thing. Because, I, I mean, that if, spear if, that if Goldberg like, gave him was light. He's, he's always been Hit super me. gentle in the ring. Like, yeah. Doesn't matter what you do to him. Like, he's always going to take care of you in a match. And, like, the look on his face is just like, I'm taking care of these guys. I hope, hope they, they take, take care, care of me. me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, that spear that, like I said, the spear that Goldberg gave him, normally Goldberg lays his spears in. Yeah. And I feel like Goldberg literally picked go him back, up and, go like, back and watch the Survivor Series laid match. him like, to bed. Brock did like, not have to sell those spears. No. No. None of the, none of the spears that I've seen, even tonight, like we saw Lesnar deliver, or not Lesnar, uh, Goldberg deliver a couple of spears. That one was probably the softest spear I think I've ever seen. He barely left his yeah. feet for that spear. And let's not even let's not even like we don't even have to keep this just with Goldberg. I like just spears in general. I, I'm not sure I've seen a softer spear than we saw with Taker. No, I get it too. That's respect. Yeah, don't yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I am saying like it's some like Taker. Taker kind of needs to retire. Goldberg kind of has a reputation because he he did kick Bret Hart in the head and yes, mostly in Bret Hart's career because <laughs> of the concussion. Um, so I mean, to, for Goldberg to really just pull in the reins and and be like, I'm gonna let you down, like I'm taking you to bed. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I think that really shows a lot of maturity. He, and respect he, he on, almost on you know lit part. candles and mm-hmm. put out some nice scented oils or yeah. something like that. Uh, yeah, but I, I do think we're getting to the point where I, I Taker can't continue a whole lot longer. I'm, like, I'm I want to see him go out on a high note, but uh, I'm scared for the guy every time I see him lately. Yeah, that's been for the last at least three years, and it's 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 harder and harder to watch because I'm just like, I didn't even want to see him I wrestle Lesnar. The Phenom. So do I. You Everybody I mean? does. And it's just one of those things where I'm just like, can Stop. can he not just have some pride? I mean, and it's not him. Obviously, we know it's Vince. And Vince is writing checks to get him there. I'm just like, let's let the guy go out great with, with some grace. Yeah. And we're not we're not there anymore. I think was, I think we're past that point. I think we passed that point after Lesnar beat him. I don't think Lesnar should have beat him either. He shouldn't in, have. In, in retrospect, if I had I a way if I had match. a way to pick the way that this was gonna go, getting to tonight right now, I would have probably had him win the rumble and, and go out on a high note at at uh, Mania. I'm not sure, you know, you know, it's kind of hard because you can't really have him go out with a belt. Um, but I, I would have probably figured out a, a way for him to go out high on Mania. And that you could have his him lose Mania. his second match at Mania, though. Yeah. And have it be to John Cena, who's won the belt 16 times now. And have John Cena be what John Cena is. And that is the top baby face in the business. Yeah. And raise Taker's hand at the end of mania and then exit the ring and let taker have the have 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 the crowd crowd. yeah Yeah. that's how i do things if if it's me uh yeah i'm just saying like i don't know it's a little sad but it's it's kind of time for taker to to retire um because every time he goes out there it gets a little less convincing from an audience standpoint and like you said every like tonight watching him i was just kind of concerned like as i'm watching him you know when he when it was clear he was going to take the spear from goldberg i I was really happy to see that goldberg didn't give him the 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 spear that he normally delivers but on the other hand you you can't do that a lot because it it looks cheap as none of the other guys that we watch on a week out week in week out basis like we're not scared 
that yeah. they're not going to wrestle. It's kind of like, why are we yeah. letting Grandpa come out here again? You know, like, don't get me wrong. I love Taker. I love Taker. I want him to go out as high as they can as they can get him uh, for for his his final match. But I kind of think that needs to happen sooner than later because we're kind of quickly passing the point where it's anything other than sad. Here's the thing: he debuted 25 years ago as of Survivor Series. Yes. So we're now 25 and a half years into it. In what's been a hell of a run for the guy. And he's not aged as well as other guys. Sting? Sting was actually a legitimate threat to win a WWE championship until Seth Rollins buckle-bombed him. Yep. I mean, just look at Goldberg tonight. I mean, Goldberg's still a fucking beast and and he's like 50. Sting was 50 when that happened. So it's just like, you know, Mark's around that same age, but he's yeah. so big. Big guys don't age as gracefully. Like they're like the tall guys like that. Like they just, they can't, their bodies can't handle it as well as guys that are more compact. And, mm-hmm. and let's just face it. 25 years in the business. That doesn't hard. do nice things to a body. Like, it, especially with Vince's road schedule, the way he used to run them. Like he's lightened up now, but like back in the day, you were legitimately on the road. 330 to 340 days a year mm-hmm. yep you know so. and when it was in th- when it was the invasion it was even worse like with the crossover between wcw ecw and wwe well, yeah, i heard guys. <laughs> i had i heard that schedule from the hardy boys and everybody they're like i hated it it was absolutely the worst thing ever yeah so i mean that was back even before that like 96 when nash went and jumped ship and went over to WCW, that was part of it. Like, he just had a kid. It's like his old lady was pregnant. And that was one of the things he he, he talked about uh, when he did his interview with uh, Bischoff recently on Bischoff's podcast was he was just like, hey, it wasn't just the money because I was making good money with Vince because we, we didn't have guaranteed, guaranteed contracts, but we had incentives yeah. that paid dividends pretty well. But he, it was hard to budget because you couldn't, Okay, I've made this much this year, but then my WrestleMania pay, I don't know what that's going to be for another 90 days now, so I can't really budget that portion of my life until I know what that's going to be. So the guaranteed uh, guaranteed contracts helped with that. And then he'd had a kid, and he was like, that was when he made his ultimate decision to go with Eric Bischoff and WCW, was because he was just like, I'm not going to have a kid and be those guys out on the road that was like, hey, guess what? I just got off the phone, and my kid walked today. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to be there for a lot of that kind of stuff. And so that's why he was just like, if I go take this guaranteed money, I only have to work 200 days or whatever the number is. And I'm still home every week, at least a few days. Yeah. You know, so. Okay, everybody, that's the coverage for our Royal Rumble this evening. We're going to be back probably in two weeks for whatever the next pay-per-view is. Boys, help me out. Elimination Chamber. Chamber. Elimination Chamber. We're going to be back to talk about Elimination Chamber in two weeks. Uh, for now, stick around and listen to you know our other stuff. We've got a whole big back catalog. You can find us at whatevery.co if you want to check any of that out. Facebook.com slash whatever show. Yeah, at whatever show on Twitter. We uh, you know do lots of stuff on there. And if you want to shitpost and tweet along with us, go check us out there. Um, and also, if you have any questions, you can send them to questions at whatever.co if you're not down with the Twitter or Facebook thing. Um, but yeah, that's it. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Later.
Mr. Sandman, bring me back. 